And I said, what about, let's wait five seconds. <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. Let's wait another few seconds. She said, uh, hang on, I'm not ready. I think I. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Zencast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> and from music video since Barrett Share. Yowza. Yowza. Uh, today we're going to be doing sort of a hodgepodge, doing sort of a normal show. I know that we teased everybody with the, <laughs> uh, the uh, decade uh, list last time, but... We're recording this on Monday, and you're giving your your uh, your opinions today. So yeah. we couldn't just very well come in here and just be like, "All right, we made the fucking bracket. <laughs> Deal with it." Uh, although I guess we could have, we could have, sure but, but genuinely, we want to hear your opinion. If we missed something that was very obvious, or if we need to consider something that uh, that you know maybe we dismissed or didn't think it was going to be up there. Uh, we really do want to get your feedback for this because we want to do this right. It's going to be a big project, and yeah. I'm excited about so it. So far, let that steep. So far, seen some some pretty good uh, yeah. suggestions that we didn't say. Yeah, yep. I've added some to the list. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this uh, is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, with that said, uh, we will probably just uh, go on ahead and uh, get into our rants and stuff. <laughs> taking crazy pills i'm as mad as hell you've never seen me very upset you know how we do that's how we do yeah because we're mad we're mad people that's right we're mad angry i'll go ahead uh i know that uh uh barrett was with me during our our viewing of rise of the skywalker Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) and for 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 the most part uh, we were in a you know we were in an IMAX auditorium everybody was cool nobody was doing anything stupid mm. until tor I'm not going to get into spoilers so don't worry about the rise of the skywalker spoilers yeah. or whatever but somewhere towards the end things started happening where people started clapping they were now they were clapping i think Oh no! Pretty much throughout the movie, but it wasn't. It was drowned out. It wasn't nearly as enthusiastic and stuff like they that. They were clapping at moments yeah, that yeah. makes sense yeah, for yeah. you to clap at, but I still disapprove. <laughs> um, I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, towards the end, it was this one person. Now, ostensibly, this rant is about one person, <laughs> and I hope this person is listening yeah, because right. fuck you. <laughs> fuck your mother fuck everything um what did you do <laughs> it's like in goodfellas it's like fuck him in the ear fuck him in the other ear just was doing this all the way through. all the way through it like stuff that wasn't worthy of being clapped for was getting clapped about do you and think this was a troll clapper? What, can I give my theory of who it was? Yeah, go ahead. Right behind us, there was a couple that was dressed up. One was dressed up like Ray, a young lady that was dressed up like Ray. And one was dressed up as, I don't know, possibly Kylo Ren. Uh, he was in all black the, and all that stuff. I didn't see the dude. I saw the girl. 
from where the clapping was coming from, and because she's obviously a super fan, I think it was her. Okay. Yeah. Just go, to give you some context. She needs to go fuck herself. Um, <laughs> she probably uh, did. She was so horned up that right. night that she probably did. Um. <sighs> What, what what are we saying when we by the way i i've i've, I've ran, i don't think i've ever done this in a rant before but what are we doing when we when we applaud right applause is for live shows mm. applause is for the people who are up on a stage it's for the performers so that they know that you're appreciating what you're putting out there yep what's applause in a movie theater what do you think that is masturbation it's masturbation but uh i think it is you're drawing attention to yourself Hmm. look at how much i appreciate Hmm. this movie i want everybody to know how much i'm enjoying this not anything to do with the performers although i'm sure if mark hamill just showed up they would be like oh you know you know would go crazy and Hmm. you know run down there and try to get his autograph and hug him and all that stuff but I think that's just for everybody else. Like, look at how big of a fan I am of this. <laughs> look at how big. Look, I want everybody to know that I understand the history of this series, and I understand how big a moment that is <laughs> that's on the screen. I'm with you. But I don't think it has anything. You can't can't be anything to do with what you're trying to. You're not showing your appreciation for the performers that way. I think there are two things at work. There are there are clappers who are definitely saying, "Look at me." Look how much of a super fan I am that I recognize this is a big, big moment. And then I think there are people who have just been conditioned by American stupidity to clap when they're happy. Mm-hmm. Like when they're clappy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. some people, some people are just like, Wee! like when they're that excited, claps happen. And it's because of all the live events we've taken them to and taught them to clap. But I, I bet those same people clap. At the end of a movie they like in their own living room. Possibly. I mean, to me, <sighs> I, I hear what you're saying. And and that clapping was very distracting. This was obnoxious. I, I To me, it's like snapping at, at a movie or something like that or, or clapping or even laughing. Uh, in, in comedy, you get a laugh to show that in a live event that your, your jokes are landing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in a movie, people will laugh just kind of at nothing. Well, basically. sure. Laughing is more of an uncontrollable thing, right? Correct. And, Although and I think there are people who will laugh when they don't. I mean, they're just trying to show they're with it. Sometimes. Sure, 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 sure. And I, I, to me, the the clapping, aside from this woman who does need to get fucked, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> to me, the clapping is just like a, a, a demonstration of excitement uh, for some people. And I think that's what you're saying, too, where you're conditioned to just this is how I show my approval by snapping or clapping or yelling woo or whatever that kind of thing i can totally by the way uh and and like i said this ostensibly this is about one person because i've never (laughs) uh like i understand it when somebody is on a screen or something like this something happens where you're like oh my god you know uh i can understand the applause there Mm -hmm. i even expect the applause yeah um and i don't even i think it's kind of cool sometimes but just for any stupid fucking thing (laughs) and and uh and but i i I really just i mean i don't like it in general i think it should be i think it should be something huge that happens before you do that i think everybody goes in with a set of expectations and i was like all the stuff that people are clapping for i kind of expected this to happen Mm -hmm. kind of expected this 
so it's not really a big of a deal. We all knew this was going to probably happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. was it's nothing worth. You know, if it was something that just came out of nowhere. Now there was like a scene in there that I thought was pretty cool and yeah. def- definitely deserved deserved quote unquote applause. I will say that I'm I'm sitting there with my hands pressed together. <laughs> I will not be clapping for no, anything in a movie ever. Um, but um. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's all ultimately about one person just being obnoxious essentially and just saying, you know, I'm just going to clap for everything from this point forward. And it was it was a quiet moment. All you could hear was this, and this person was like giggling and talking to her partner, like, oh, they, they did that, they did that, and everybody was like, shut the fuck. Yeah, up. man, I would have I would have left. I can't tolerate that shit. <laughs> this is part part of the reason I don't go to movies opening day mm. is because I know that it's going to be sold out, and there's going to be at least look. You got an auditorium with a hundred people. Pretty good odds that eighty five of them are motherfuckers, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, no, my, motherfuckers. My, okay, so I'm exaggerating. There's a very good chance in a sold out auditorium, someone's going to do something really annoying. Yeah, and I fucking hate that yeah. now i i can blame working in a movie theater and having to preview movies like chris where we had to watch them because we built them and then i got i got used to watching a movie by myself or with just chris uh and now you know whether it's your fucking potato chip bag or your goddamn light up fucking sneakers <laughs> or your check my phone under my sweater thinking that somehow blocks the light but it doesn't <laughs> all you guys take me out of the movie and i just that's why i usually wait a week or two and catch a matinee on a tuesday when everybody's yeah. in school fuckers yeah, yeah. everybody that clap thing i probably would have said something i probably would have said can you stop that? <laughs> and then I would have been the asshole. It's just better I wasn't there. I mean, well, probably the last 20, 25 minutes I would or so. say so. That's good. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Man. And, and then, yeah, and then also decided that was the time that she would just start talking, too. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Hour and 40 minutes, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And then suddenly, all right, I'm going to clap about everything. Fuck it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They can't hear your claps. They can't. No, no. they shot that scene. That's 16 true. months ago yeah they sure did <laughs> they got clapped for on set too i'm sure when they mm. rapped so just give it a rest I, well, I will say i went to uh a screening of skywalker the next day uh the next afternoon and there were still a bunch of clappers in that one too yeah but no nobody, nobody did that nearly that yeah bad, i mean no. i like i said i expect certain moments i mean i just brace myself for it every time <laughs> i see something on screen that's like yeah that's gonna be applause yeah I just kind of know, and and the, and the movie seems to generally allow that to happen. They kind of know whatever that is going to happen, so they don't go into some plot and stuff like that, exposition during that stuff. No, it's usually like yelling because like the the big Avengers assemble thing. You could tell that was brewing and everything. And as soon as he says that, Thor's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, fucking Thor, right? uh go you guys are obviously pissed about something i've got a mini rant okay uh so we're recording this on december 23rd mm-hmm. uh two days before christmas festivus it is the festivus for the rest of us happy mm-hmm. festivus yeah mm-hmm. yeah um we're gonna do the feats of strength next right as long as we well as we, we gotta get to the grievances we are this is the grievances okay. all right mm-hmm. <laughs> i got a grievance with the current crop of pop stars putting out new christmas music now. Mm-hmm. now i appreciate this because for years and years and years all we had was pop stars recycling the old things like bing crosby doing something and uh, you know uh, uh mariah carey singing something that's not 
all I want for Christmas is you. They're just singing the old hits, right? The old carols. But now they've started to write their own shit, right? Mm. Like, uh, like, uh, uh, fucking uh, Taylor Swift did the Christmas tree farm song that's mm-hmm. instantly forgettable. Katy Perry did the cozy little Christmas song, which is a little more earwormy, but essentially the same song. Mm-hmm. It's all jingle bells and ringing and things like this. Mm-hmm. Casey Musgraves just did a fucking like special mm-hmm. where she had a bunch of new Christmas music. But listen to me, pop stars. <laughs> Christmas music should not always be jangling and jangling. Hmm. All right. Some of the best Christmas carols, maybe the best Christmas carols are the fucking take it down a notch ones. Take it down. My favorite Christmas carol ever is have yourself a merry little Christmas. That shit is is ominous and brooding and stuff like that. Blue Christmas is a great classic song. That is dark and brooding and stuff like that. Uh, you could say like Oh Holy Night and like Silent Night. All these things are like, you know, minor key and morose motherfuckers and stuff like that. If you're going to be releasing new content to stand out and to be more, you know, iconic and, and, and stick to the ribs and stuff like that, take it down a notch. Go dark, pop stars. Well, here's what happened. Mariah Carey put out that album in the 90s. Yep. And except for All I Want for Christmas is You, the album is jam-packed with the classics. Uh-huh. She does Oh Holy Night on that yep. album. It's a great album. But in the last three or four years, I've seen headlines. People are starting to talk and realize that every year Mariah Carey makes millions yep. from that one song she recorded 30 years ago. And so the today's pop stars are like, I got to get my all I want for Christmas is you. Mm-hmm. So that no matter how my records do, I'll make millions for the next 30 years. And so they're all trying to ca- recapture that magic. Mm-hmm. And all I want for Christmas is you is a happy, jingle belly, bright, snappy. I think that's all we're talking about here. It's just if, copy if that Mariah Carey song had been a dour, slow christmas song about death that's <laughs> yeah. what katie yeah. perry would be doing today they're just trying to imitate exactly what mariah carey did. i will say the caveat the only caveat to this is kelly clarkson's underneath the tree because that's a legitimately brilliant song in construction and execution and it came out probably about 10 years ago or so and it just hits me right in in the short and curlies man i love that song mm-hmm. but otherwise take just try something different katie or Taylor, like, let's go for a slow, mournful I ballad think, about Christmas and lost love. What? I do think we maybe should lump Casey Musgraves in on this one because I she think she does the same thing, though. I don't know. Have you watched the special? Uh, not the entirety of it. All I've heard, and I'm sure she does have one that's more slow and morose, but it's more like waltzy. It's not like right. it's not like Blue Christmas. It's not like Oh Holy Night and stuff like that. Why do you want everybody's Christmas to be sad? Because those are the best Christmas girl. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every Christmas movie, when it's the denouement, when where the shit gets real, they're playing the sad "Have yourself a merry little Christmas." That's the good shit. That's the good shit. The good shit is the bad shit. Yeah, I I just. uh, I mean, Christmas is supposed to be happy, right? I know, but we've we've got enough happy. We do. We've got enough for the clappy happy, the happy slap. We we need. Some 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 counterpoints. Don't we just need a different happy? Like okay. instead of them just doing the same standards over and over and over again, yeah, just do their own. We yeah, just, you were talking about a little that they're doing some of their own stuff, but you don't like that either. No, their stuff. The doing their own stuff is a replication of that. All I want for Christmas. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same time signature. It's the same key. It's the same register, and it's it's annoying to me. Christmas music. It's not Christmas music. What you've done is you've cherry picked a handful of 
minor key Christmas songs that you prefer, and you're asking all of Christmas music to change and become no. That. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Uh, the fucking uh, oh come all ye faithful. Oh come fucking, all ye faithful. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's not like jingle bells. <laughs> jingle 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 jingle. No. I Heart the Herald Angels Sing is not like a, un, a fucking a, all these, I want for Christmas. These are not sad songs. They're not sad songs, but they're not this the glistening, jingle belly, snowflake bullshit. Okay. I think actually, weirdly, while hating you for a second, then I realized what your point is, and I understand it more. Got to it. Got to it eventually, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> 16 um, minutes later. I want to talk about beef. Okay. Do you want to talk about beef? Actual beef? Actual beef. All right. I'm always um, up for talking about beef. Beef about beef. That's right. There are not enough people in this country. I, I apologize, non-Americans. This is going to be a very U.S.-centric beef rant. <laughs> but I'm sure your country has its own similar practices and policies, and this should still be able to inform your choices. In the United States, there are several grades of beef. Mm -hmm. I am shocked how many people do not know this. Someone said to me the other day, a friend of mine, let's go get a steak. Let's go to Outback. Oh. And I said, those are incongruent statements. And he's like, <laughs> Outback has prime rib. Outback has filet. And I'm like, yes, but it's it's like the third lowest grade, right? It's U.S. Select. Yeah. Which is the way they grade meat is based on marbling, which is fat, which speaks to flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the lower the grade, the less you pay for it. So you can go to Outback, my friend, and get the prime rib, and I can go to Ruth's Chris and get the prime rib, and we're talking about two polar opposite pieces of meat here. Yeah, it's a weird syntactical thing because they both have prime in the title, but one is actual prime exactly. and one is subprime. So the highest grade of meat, the one you get at the high-end steak places, and you can even find usually in most grocery stores, is prime. Mm -hmm. Not all prime rib. Is prime grade beef. Yeah, yeah. Although most of it is. Yeah. Um, they allowed the name of prime rib to sort of let them get a little bit shifty with it. So again, you go to a chain steakhouse that costs $12 for a steak. That prime rib is not prime grade right. beef. Choice is right below that. Select is right below that. A lot of people don't know. There's like five other classes beyond that. Below they're, that? They're fun. Let's let's listen to them because they're fun and frightening. Um <laughs> So it goes prime, select, or prime choice, select, then standard, commercial, utility, cutter, and canner. Uh, wow. Now, standard grade beef, that's the fourth one down, is most commonly used as store brand meat. So if you are like a big H.G. Hill guy, and I only shop at H.G. Hill, and I'm going to buy the H.G. Hill store that's brand a beef. specific thing. <laughs> well, yeah. it is. Yeah, okay, Kroger, whatever. Uh, your store brand might actually be like grade standard, not even selector mm. choice. And then, uh, you know, when you go to Taco Bell. Oh, God. I don't <laughs> want to hear the rest of this. What, do you, what, what grade do you think is in that? I'm going to say utility. <laughs> it is exactly You're that. You're being optimistic. Oh. Okay, good. <laughs> and you, uh, and the other thing that people do to get around this, because people are so confused about beef, is that you'll see 100% beef yeah. on something. And people are like, well, it's all beef. And I'm like, well, yeah, so is the dog food beef that they put <laughs> yeah. in there. It's 100% beef, but it's that that beef means come from cow. It does like what grade of beef is it? Mm. That's what matters to me. So 100% beef hot dog, fantastic. Was it utility grade beef or was it select grade beef? Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. It's important to me. You want to know what's in your hot dog? 
Well, I want to know if it's a beef hot dog. I want to know what grade of beef it is. All right. Like some of them these days will say this is Angus hot dog or this is like, but Mm. a lot of marketing tries to trick you up and people are just ignorant. That's Mm -hmm. why places like Outback are like selling steaks left and right. I don't, uh, I don't buy beef very often Mm. these days. Uh, So uh, are there places that you go to get good stuff or is it just the the prime restaurants that you find them? Um, In terms of grocery stores, um, Whole Foods has high-grade stuff, uh, Fresh Market, and even Kroger and Publix will both have some prime-grade steaks and cuts. Um, And then restaurant-wise, you know, I I have only seen prime at the high-end steakhouses, places like The Palm or Ruth Chris or Mm. Morton's or... um, I'm sure that there are places in town like Kane Prime. I've never been there. Um, there's a couple steakhouses in town I haven't been to that are probably serving really high grade beef. But, but you can buy it to cook on your own at home. I'm just, you know, I didn't know any of this before I went to work for Kroger, which was back in 2003. So prior to that, if, it, if I was having a steak, I would go to the store and I would find the cheapest sirloin I could. Sirloin because it's fucking huge. Yeah. And I'm like, look at all this steak I'm getting. But <laughs> I didn't look at the grade. I didn't look at any of that. And so I was always having mediocre steaks. Yeah, yeah. And when, you know, it it costs more, but the taste, it tastes better too. Yes, it does. So then you look at that. Look at that when you go to, when you're talking about your favorite burger places and you're like, oh, McDonald's has at least one burger that's all fresh meat now and never frozen. <laughs> sure. What's the grade of meat? <laughs> Let's find that out. Tell yeah. me what that quarter pounder grade of beef is. Let's not treat all beef as equal. It's amazing having a butcher nearby too. Uh, you know, you actually had one right down the street before they, they moved, mm. but they were super expensive. When I was in Chicago, I was right between one like super uh, Polina meat market, a uh, super famous meat market where if you walk in, you're just like attacked by meat. Nice. <laughs> it's amazing. And then one was like a little El Mercado, a little uh, a shop over there that I would get fresh. I don't. Yeah, it was prime because it, they used it at the Argentine steakhouse that we went to. Yeah. Uh, get fresh fillets from them. And you're right. I mean, it's a complete difference from going to just your you know cookie cutter market and picking up a steak and then getting something cut fresh off the loin that they probably butchered themselves yeah like two hours ago when you're in a place that serves steak they will have on the menu i guarantee you it will either be select or choice mm. and they'll write it with exclamation points like it's the highest thing ever yeah. oh, proud to serve usda select steaks lately you're proud to serve the third best quality of steaks assholes <laughs> so you did not go to outback i, I did not i'm not trying to single out outback the <laughs> uh, blooming onions great um but all these texas roadhouse longhorn all these chain steak places are all serving you select grade steaks mm-hmm. and it's the only way they can stay profitable um, because if they served you a prime grade steak, they would have to charge you fifty dollars mm-hmm. for it, and uh, you're not going to go to Outback too much after that. Yep. So I'm just saying, know your meat. How do they? How do they? Uh, how do you know? Like, what is the factor that makes something select choice? Whatever the USDA person verifies farm by farm. Um, you know, they're not checking every single steak, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, they'll go out and inspect. And they're, again, they're mostly looking for. Mostly looking at the fat um, and the marbling and the, even a really good fillet, a really good one will look, you know how lean those fillets can mm-hmm. look. Like those ones we had a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. those were probably choice grade. Mm-hmm. But even a even a prime fillet will have some marbling in it and will look a little fatty and uh, that cooks out and becomes flavor. Mm-hmm. I want to recreate that entire experience of eating that steak. <laughs> I do too, because I have, did I tell you that I've since learned I was operating the controls wrong? How, how so? 
when you turn those burners on, the quarter turn, that is full heat. And the more you turn to the right, the weaker the flame gets. Oh, there's oh. A, a peak point, and then it goes back and down. And I was, tr- I was trying to get those stakes done faster, mm-hmm. but I was turning the dial further to the right, oh. unbeknownst to me, making the heat go down. I see. Now, now I know how to, uh, now I could kick those stakes out. Mm, I'm going to do it even better next time. I don't know, man. Those were perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I got it down to a science. Anyway, know your meat. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat cheap meat. So um, we're going to go into uh, to some recommends and warrants. Yeah. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. A couple mm. weeks ago, I went to the Belcourt mm. here at the local theater in town. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I watched a movie called Waves. Oh, this is supposed to be emotional. It is. It's extremely emotional. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, very emotional indeed. <laughs> very, very emotional indeed. <laughs> um, it is, it is unusual in that it's got, it's basically got two movies inside of it. Um, the first part of this movie, like there's so much going on and there's so much, so mu- there's so much of a beginning, middle and end to it that I thought the movie was almost over hmm. when it got to that point. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this movie's been really good. I mean, it's, it feels like it's just gone by and, and this is the end. I just thought that I didn't look at my phone or anything. Just did, didn't know. But right after that big climax, it was like, oh, there's a whole other movie after huh. that. And, um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Taylor Russell, who some of you saw in Escape Room earlier this year, uh, she was the main... Oh, uh, that's her? Yeah, she was the main uh, uh, person in that Escape Room that, uh, I guess, I guess the main character yeah. of all... Of, there's, there's plenty of characters who were basically main characters, mm-hmm. but she was the one we kind of followed. She's the innocent mm-hmm. of the group. Um, she's in it. Uh, a guy named Ke- uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. plays her brother, and it follows him uh, from the beginning of this movie. And he is this wrestler, uh, um, and uh, and it looks like he's got the best, you know, popular high school life that there is. He's got a girlfriend who is played by Alexa De- Demi, who was in a Euphoria. Oh, uh, she was um, uh, what's his name's girlfriend? Uh, oh, the the popular the jock guys, the the asshole guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, wow the uh who's the who's the asshole i can't remember his I can't name either nate 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 nate's girlfriend. Nate's girlfriend she's a terrific actress she is and she's great in this this is like this is one of those things where you like you see you see something right after you've seen something where she's really good and then this just sort of like solidifies wow it. she's cool. really good in this um so it follows them there's some problems though he's his dad played by sterling k brown he is a he's a hard ass and he's like you know he you see them like lifting weights together and he's very driven to make his son the best wrestler there is and everything that he does he's on his ass about and everything's very obvi- obviously very tough father um but there's a problem he uh Tyler his, his name is Tyler this kid uh He's got something going on with his arm. They've, he's even had like a uh, an MRI that showed that the doctor is like, 
you shouldn't go out there mm. anymore. You shouldn't do this. This is you're you're gonna you're probably gonna ruin this for life if you go out there. But he mm. doesn't tell anybody. It's one thing about the movie I didn't want, understand really. Since he's a minor, I don't know how you just get an MRI and then the parents don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but he doesn't tell his parents about what the MRI shows, and he goes out there and he's like going to like some championship meet trying to trying to fight this one dude and everything. And and man, that wrestling match is so. Just like uh, you feel it, you oh, feel yeah. it. Well, you know it's gonna, ha- you know what's gonna happen during that match. You're just like you just feel everything once the match starts. You're just like, oh my god! It's not like it's not like uh, graphic or anything mm. like that. It's just that you can feel it. You know that he's going through some shit. Mm. Um, and his life just sort of gets turned upside down by all of this and everything. And then we have a second half. Now, the second half focuses mainly on his sister. And, uh, his sister is, uh, is, uh, starts to date, uh, Lucas Hedges during this. Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Is hilarious in this. Really? Awesome. Yes. He's wow. just great in this and everything. And it's basically about their relationship and about how he has, um, a father that he, he, he didn't like. He was a terrible person or whatever, but he's dying of cancer. And there's a sort of a dis- decision whether or not he should go visit him and all that. Um, don't want to say much more about it other than, uh, I highly recommend it. It's really good. I don't think very many, uh, uh, year end lists have this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though it is probably upper echelon drama, I don't know why certain movies always slip through the cracks like this. Waves is really fucking good. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Mm, Highly recommended. Mm, Nice. Mm. Mm. You want me to follow? I can. If you, you, uh, what is your silly? Looks like yours is silly. A little bit. I'll go first then. Okay. <laughs> um, I watched and I'm recommending Queen and Slim. Oh. oh. Yeah, I definitely um, want to see this. Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. <laughs> Kaluuya. I am going to say it wrong always. Kaluuya. Uh, this dude is a sneaky great actor. Yeah, he um, is. I actually rewatched Widows in the past week. Um, uh, have you guys seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's terrifying. He's terrifying in that. <laughs> Because there's even that scene where they've two guys got robbed and then they find him like locked up in a like a piece of kitchen equipment and they're rapping to each other and they bring him into Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Yes. And he says, let me hear the rap. Do the rap. They're like, do it or, you know, do it or else. And then he's like getting all up in that yeah. guy's face while he's rapping and then pow! Ah. Shoots him. And then he goes, clean that up and walks away. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, he is the male star of Queen and Slim. He's playing Slim. Uh-huh. Um. I can't remember the actress's name who plays Queen, but I had seen her before. And I don't I remember seeing the trailer and being very intrigued. We talked about this, I think, in our preview. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had forgotten that these two are on their first date. Yeah. Like I had, I went into the movie thinking they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're on their first date ever. And he's driving her home. And th- you see the first date, a good portion of the dinner. And then. It's not like there's no chemistry there, but there's friction there, too. And you don't know that there's going to be a second date. And he's driving her home, and this is when the cop pulls them over. And both of these people are black. The cop is white. And uh, she, the female, makes some questionable decisions during this police stop. Okay. Um, She's very verbal with the cop, Mm. asking him questions, and he tells her to shut up. When he pulls Daniel Kalia out of the car and he's opening the trunk to go through his shoeboxes, she honks the horn. 
hmm. and starts screaming at the cop, like, does this have to take so long? And maybe that's okay. Hmm. Because the movie, I think, has a lot more to say than just about uh, police violence against black people. Mm. I don't think that's the movie's crux. Um, and I certainly can't speak to either side of that situation. This is not the first movie that I've seen that deals with this kind of thing. Yeah, The Hate You Give had the a hate very you give similar would be situation. An right? excellent parallel to watch with this movie. Uh, even Blind Spotting would make a great triple feature. Um, but push comes to shove, cop pulls his gun, she gets out of the car, and he shoots her in the leg. Um, so the cop's making some pretty bad decisions, too. Mm. He and uh, Slim start wrestling. Um, the cop comes after Slim to jump on him. Slim finds the gun, turns, shoots, cop is dead. Mm. That's all in the trailer, mm -hmm. so I don't think I'm spoiling too nope. much. Uh, from there... I'm recommending this movie, but right. it was almost a record warn because it's unfortunately it's a lot more formulaic than I was expecting. Oh, really? The setup and everything made me like I wish they would have embraced a little bit more of the fairy tale folklore element. Like there's certainly some of a couple places they go. They run into black people who think they're heroes because they're like Bonnie and Clyde. This right? guy's dash cam, the cop's dash cam ca captured the whole thing. And there are there are people who think they're heroes and help them out mm. uh, because of it. Um, I wish they would have leaned more into that um, and them becoming like, I don't know, like some kind of underground folk leaders on the run mm -hmm. or what have you. But it's really a much more straightforward on the run from cops kind of movie. Um, Sudden Bokeem Woodbine. Um, <laughs> he's great. Um, and uh, the performances are outstanding. The two leads, they keep stopping. They keep stopping. They're on the run after killing a cop, and they keep stopping for the stupidest reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like, she sees a horse, so she pulls over and goes over to pet the horse. <laughs> and then he's like, he, he ends up basically saying, I would look good riding that horse. And he ends up trying to ride the fucking horse. And I'm like, the cops, this is broad daylight. The cops are coming. <laughs> then there's a night where they stop at this uh, bar because he's convinced that she needs to dance. They <laughs> just need to let their hair down and dance. So they're at this blues club. They find out halfway through their time at the blues club, everyone in there knows who they are. Oh, and one, the bartender even says, you guys are safe here. Uh, <laughs> but then they start dancing. It is one of the sexiest fucking things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Mm. The, them dancing all sweaty. <laughs> They're in on the run clothes they borrowed from their uncle. Um, but there's a, there's that heat there, man. There's something <laughs> there. And it's sexy. Ah. Sexy. Uh, Sign me up. The other thing I wanted to mention is this movie is unexpectedly funny. All of the side characters are fucking hilarious. There's a there's a white. Uh, convenience store clerk who recognizes him immediately, but he's a fan. <laughs> so he's like, let me hold your gun, man. Uh, and then there's a scene where they get this little fat kid to go buy him some burgers because they don't want to get seen on a camera going into a place. And then the fat kid comes running back with a phone and a video of them shooting the cop and says, is this you guys? My dad wants to meet you. And they they panic. They start driving the car, but that guy's dad was right there and they hit him with the car. <laughs> so then I'll... The hell breaks loose and the little fat kid's like you hit my dad you nearly killed my dad with the car and the dad goes 
dad goes, quit being such a whiny bitch. I'm okay. And the kid, you hear the kid go, mom told you to stop calling me whiny bitch. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed my time watching the movie. I wish the story had been a little more surprising and a little less formulaic. Um, uh, but other than that, uh, it's a full recommend. All right. I was, uh, I was looking at a bunch of stuff uh, through this. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith is the uh, actress uh, who plays mm. Queen in this. She's been in series called Jet, Night Flyers, The Last Ship. She was also in The Neon Demon for a little bit, apparently. Um, and um, I don't... And True Blood. She was, four, she was in four episodes of True Blood. Mm. Uh, but I was looking at uh, the writers, Lena Waithe, uh, nice. who uh, is on Master of None, and she's in Ready Player One and everything. She's a screen. And James Frey of Million Little Pieces. Wow. Fame. I heard the, that. The story has a story by credit on this, yeah. along with Lena Waithe on this. So that's kind of a, an interesting uh, <laughs> pairing. That is interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there you go. There Lena, you go. Lena Waithe being involved with something only can make it better. Yeah, I, I she's say fantastic. so. She's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so I'm not going to switch gears entirely. I'm going to do a recommend, and it's one that's on the tails of your phantom recommend. I actually saw the Klaus movie on oh, Netflix. Oh, is it Klaus and not Claus? They pronounce it Klaus. Oh, no wonder the, uh, you guys were confused. <laughs> well, no, it's it's spelled K-L-A-U-S. All right. Uh, so well, it looks we like say, Claus. we say Santa Claus right. and all that, so it makes sense. This is basically a uh, Santa Claus origin story. And uh, it's really, really, really good. Uh, the story is basically Jason Schwartzman is a son of royalty and really doesn't have to do anything. But uh, because his dad is like the, the postmaster general is is the, the king of the land or whatever. All right. So he's in, in postal academy and stuff like that. And he's not having to do anything because of all the nepotism. Dad gets upset banishes them to uh, siberia or whatever the equivalent of siberia is super cold uh people are miserable and yelling at each other and the kids are all rotten and everything there's a school but nobody's going to school anymore so it's turned into a fish market nice uh who's uh who's the the teacher the former teacher is voiced by rashida jones oh nice this movie is charming and fantastic and and it is a, a big old spin on a familiar story everybody's heard like some sort of story about santa claus and where he's he always has been right yeah, yeah. you never think about the origins of santa so klaus uh is, is voiced by uh, jk simmons he's fantastic in this the animation in this is unusual but also really really good in this uh, and the story is fantastic. There's great bit characters. There's Joan Cusack plays one of the uh, one of the um, town's members and everything. Will Sasso plays the other one. Norm Macdonald lending <laughs> his very unique wow. Norm Macdonald voice to the uh, the the fairy man, basically mm -hmm. that takes people back and forth to this remote area, and he he pops up all through it. Uh, but Jason Schwartzman just carries this movie, huh. and it's really, really good. I would totally recommend it. That's awesome. Especially now you're going to be listening to this after the holidays. But even so, if you're not all the way full of a holiday cheer, you should check it out. Yeah, my wife watches Christmas movies until like March. <laughs> mm -hmm. We've been binging on Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. So uh, you just have Die Hard on repeat. That's right. Mm -hmm. Die Hard bitch. and Die Hard 2. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well... You know, I make a tradition to watch Eyes Wide Shut every Christmas. Oh, yeah, to me, that's it's right. a Christmas movie. I bet you do. Mm -hmm. One of these days, I'll let the kids see it. Last night, <laughs> uh, yesterday afternoon, I said uh, to my wife, are you going to watch some Christmas movies? She said, yeah, I'm going to watch um, Santa Claus, and then I'm going to watch uh, Christmas Vacation, 
and then I'm going to top it all off with You Got Mail. And I said, not a Christmas movie. And <laughs> she gave me a very sour face. <laughs> <laughs> is that, uh, now you guys watched it recently. Is that a Thanksgiving movie? No, it, no, it, it, over, like, movie it goes months. over a span of, um, you know, however many months or whatever. Does it end on Christmas? But some people caught, no, it no. goes past Christmas. It ends in like spring. Huh. Uh, it spans over like six or eight months it's uh it's it's one of those movies that though if you if people i've seen it before we're, we're like what do you consider thanksgiving movies and of course you got like home for the holidays and stuff like that uh and uh and you've got mail always appears yeah. because there's a thanksgiving like a sliver of thanksgiving in it oh wow i i've associated it with it like that but i haven't seen it in forever mm, yeah so yeah it's it's more of a span you know interesting spanning not, time yeah mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like love actually where it's actually christmas most of the That's time christmas is fuck yeah i uh i also want to recommend uh my life as a zucchini <laughs> i don't think i've heard of this end of recommendation <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's an animated film it came out in 2016 uh it's uh i think it's from switzerland it's got it's a it's a french language but like um uh the american voices have been lent to our copies that we get and everything so you have people like nick offerman and ellen page and all that and everything in it it was nominated for best animated feature in the 2016 academy awards and everything that was an actually like a really unusual year because it wasn't just disney stuff although disney did win it um because uh, you had zootopia win in 2016 and you also had moana uh, oh, wow. uh, nominated but you had these very unusual like kubo and the two strings and the red turtle the red turtle so good dude um, that's a stacked ass year for animation it really is and zootopia fucking one yeah, how yeah. does that even i mean that zootopia is good but come on it ain't fucking moana when <laughs> it's not kubo no. and the two strings yeah. and <laughs> and uh the red turtle which is a fucking phenomenal movie uh but um uh but this one uh it's very short it's an hour i think it's me i think it's an hour and then you add credits hmm. um but uh it's a it's a sort of a stop motion claim i don't know if they did this digitally or whatever but it's about a, a kid who is uh, um, in this, like, sort of this horrible family life. His his dad is gone for some reason you don't know quite yet. His mom is like this alcoholic, and he's, she's sitting there yelling at a TV the whole time. And he's just in his room. He's, like, flying a kite outside of his one little window that he has, hanging, like, tying it to a chair and letting it just, like, float in the breeze and everything. And then uh, he like goes downstairs and starts collecting all these beer cans so they can go up and make a whole project with it. And then she starts yelling for him and uh, and then starts claiming that she's going to beat him and all this other stuff. She starts coming up the stairs and he lives in like an attic or something like that. And uh, he's got the door open. And he slams the door on her before she can she can get in. But you hear her fall. And the next thing you know, she, he's talking to the police because she, her mom, his mom is dead. Oh, and um, and so he is taken to an orphanage. This is a horrifying cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it's PG thirteen. Um, he's taken to an orphanage where he starts uh starts uh, uh, getting friends and everything. But that's it's you know it's a tough thing at the beginning and everything. There's the one asshole guy who thinks he's the king of the orphanage and everything, and everybody else has their own little 
their only own little reasons for being there and each one has like a unique reason i think they're all the common reasons why but each one has the has a different different reason for being in the orphanage and so he starts developing friendships with all these people. and then one day a uh a new girl named camille comes in and he falls in love with her and they have this just so this like sort of this budding friendship slash romance type of thing hmm. uh uh it is really good i know that the the i know that the the darkness of that opening uh may may shut some people out it does talk about some tough subjects mm. uh but uh i really really enjoyed it mm. it's really good um uh that uh nick offerman plays the cop that he talks to and uh it's obvious that he's the father figure as as this movie goes along and everything he even goes to visit him at the orphanage like every week or something Mm. you know something like that and uh and uh there's a lot of just like you know neat little like adventures that they go on and everything and yeah it's unique animation yeah, I mean it's uh it, it's it's well, like you said it's it's like it's, claymation. Yeah, it's like your stop motion type of uh, uh huh. thing. Um, yeah, just looking at the the pictures of it, it, it looks very unusual, almost like a Nightmare Before Christmas type of uh styling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I did had I wasn't able to go in and look and see what they actually did, whether this was on a computer or whether they actually did the stop motion, mm. but um, but this was something that uh, I remember it uh, seeing trailers for it uh uh, back in the day and i was like i want to see that and i never got around to seeing it but i bought it on blu-ray and it's been hanging around in my blu-ray collection forever (laughs) and so i was like i'm gonna watch this it's really short i can get that knocked out and it's uh it's really good i'm not i'm not telling you to expect the world out of this Uh but uh an hour of your time and it's just it's very very sweet very very good and it's it tackles a couple of tough subjects I, I i'm all for it that's awesome i i don't think i had heard of this i may have like looked at it when i was looking at that category back in the day but yeah that's a good recommend that's a that's a deep cut mm-hmm. nice oh yeah all right i've got a wreck of warn because of the binging of christmas movies uh i happened to watch daddy's home two yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we've all seen daddy's home one <laughs> have you seen daddy's home one I've seen Daddy's Home one. You and I have. I don't think I saw Daddy's Home. You guys send it. Yes. And I was I uh, I made you know I sort of uh, excised myself from the process. Look, Daddy's Home is ridiculous and stupid, and Linda Cardellini is the worst wife ever, and Marky Mark has a huge dong, mm-hmm. and it's set in New Orleans for some fucking reason. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of things that I found likable about Daddy's Home. Most of it being Will Ferrell, because I like Will Ferrell as a comedian. I think he's funny. I think you can mine some comedy out of him and Mark Wahlberg. Certainly not as much as they did with the other guys, which is a classic in my opinion. Uh, but there was there was a few things to like in Daddy's Home. Overall, rotten. So I saw Daddy's Home 2 because my wife was binging Christmas movies. So at the end of Daddy's Home 1, John Cena appears as the uh, the 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 biological dad to Marky Mark and his girlfriend's daughter, right? And so he turns up to be the asshole that Marky Mark used to be, but he's all redeemed and everything because he went to the dance. So Daddy's Home 2, famously in the trailer, introduces Mel Gibson as as Mark Wahlberg's father and John Lithgow as uh, Will Ferrell's father. And, you know, true to form, John Lithgow is all touchy-feely and uh, happy-go-lucky and all that stuff. And Mel Gibson is this hard-ass huckster type of asshole dad, right? 
all that happens okay this movie is not good it's not good at all but it's charming it's much more charming than the first one so the 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 idea is that they've got all these permutations of biological dads versus stepdads versus blah 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 and then the real dads the for the the grandparents and so they all decide to go off to a christmas with everybody together in like a cabin in the woods and mel gibson pays for it because he's he's a millionaire and then they start hitting the beats and all that stuff. And then, you know, of course, you have a protagonist fight <clears throat> before the end of the movie uh, cliche. But then the end of the movie is really, really charming. They all get stuck in a movie theater. And so they decide to go see uh, a Liam Neeson movie where he's where he's uh, kicking ass uh, a bunch of terrorists in the cold. Nice. So it's essentially cold pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually voices himself in the movie, like as they're watching it. So it's a fake movie that they. It's a fake movie that is essentially cold pursuit, yeah. except it's terrorists instead of drug dealers. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then you know a nice family friendly ending happens, and everybody makes up and everything. I found myself smiling at the end of this movie. It's not good. But if if you if you're forced to watch that or Caligula, you should watch. Wow, Daddy's well, Home and too. that you know that is a choice that comes up often, right? Where <laughs> it's like you, a flick chart, right? <laughs> you are, you know, you are uh, in, uh, you know, wherever they send, uh, they send Walter White uh, during when when he's <laughs> when he, in New Hampshire, and they send you down to the middle of the cold, and all you have is is Daddy's Home Two and Caligula <laughs> and Mister Magorium's Wonder Report, <laughs> two copies, <laughs> two copies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a wreck of worn. I'm not made of stone like you. I'm not made of stone either. Yeah, God damn it. Yeah, you are. Mm, you God would you would reject it. this movie. You would piss on the disc. I would piss on the disc. But that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't prove your point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the one I was going to recommend but you caught me off my guard because somebody on Twitter was being a douche. Uh, is an older movie I saw again two days ago. Um, sorry to come back around and right. put you on the spot there, but uh, uh, the, the Ghost in the Darkness. Oh um, God, um, Val Kilmer, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, Val Kilmer um, is hired by Tom Wilkinson, um, who has like two scenes, and he's a very he's a no nonsense British businessman. I don't care about how good your record is building a bridge. If you don't build my bridge in time, I'll kill you. Uh, That's what he is. He's a build bridge build. The Val Kilmer's a bridge guy. Okay. Uh, Tom Wilkinson's a money man, and they're trying to get this bridge built through a certain section of Africa, so that they can. He basically says, so we can exploit Africa, mm-hmm. um, and if we need to get our railway built before the French or whoever the fuck else is trying to. I'm sure everybody was trying to exploit Africa at this time. It was definitely the fucking French. <laughs> don't, flin- don't flinch. There, there was that whole campaign of like exploit Africa, and yeah, exactly. concerts and everything. He's never been to Africa, but he's built bridges. He's never been laid on a bridge. He's built bridges in all all, all continents except Africa. Um, Emily Mortimer is his wife. Ooh, young Emily Mortimer. And she's yeah, and she's pregnant. And their ch- son is born or due in six months. The bridge is due in five months, so Val Kilmer's confident I will be home to see the birth of my son. He's not, by the way. <laughs> um, so he goes to Africa, and there are all these hundreds of people, workers, and there's basically his right-hand man, who I guess is a local. I don't mm-hmm. know. He's showing him around. He's like, you know, Muslims over here. Um, and we've got, um, what's the other group? Indians over here. And one one group thinks the cow is sacred, and the other group eats the cow. And <laughs> this is what's facing you. That you know, not just building a bridge, but you know, you you know, uniting all these workers. 
And so he's got this big task ahead of him. And then a man-eating lion shows up and starts oh. picking people off. Oh. And so he has to kill the man-eating lion. And he does. And there's joyous celebration. And all the workers are rallied around their new leader. And then, oh, there's an, that wasn't the lion. It's a little bit like Jaws. There's a different lion out there. <laughs> there's actually two other lions out there. And the ghost and the darkness are what the workers name the two lions. Ah. Because they are man-eaters and they are unkillable, according to... It becomes this, like, lore thing to where he has to hire Michael Douglas to come in. Michael Douglas is this... I swear he could be playing his character from Jewel and Isle. Um, <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> uh, and he shows up and he's an African expert and he's got a crew of some kind of tribe with spears with him that, that go everywhere hunting with him. And he's here to help them catch this man eater. By the end of the movie, almost everyone's left. All the workers have left. Everyone's scared to death of dying. And it's just Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas trying to kill these fucking lions <laughs> if it's the last thing they do. I love this movie. Yeah. It's not probably an A plus. Um, but it gives me a plus entertainment. I've seen it a handful of times. I hadn't seen it in a few years and it came on the other day and I, I watched that fucker from start to finish Really, and, uh, greatly enjoy it. There's several, wow. several very cool things. They try traps. They try and set, um, places they try and perch themselves to shoot and the lions just keep outsmarting them. Uh, the movie wants you to believe these lions are supernatural in some way. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think I believe all that, but. I'm down with that, it's man. It's really good. I like, uh, you know, man versus nature stuff like the edge and the gray and yeah. shit like that. This is interesting because you, you always see it, or I've always heard it, the ghost in the darkness. But oh. it's the ghost and the darkness, it's the ghost so it's two separate things. Yeah, he ends up burning, the, the lions stalk him through these these fields of wheat or grass, tall mm. wall, yellow grass. He ends up burning the whole fucking field down just so that they can't have that advantage anymore. Mm. It's hardcore. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Stephen Hopkins directed this. He's got uh, quite an interesting career. Um, uh, his first, uh, well, there's a movie called Dangerous Game, which was his first one. But then A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, he did the, He did Predator 2. He did Judgment Night, which I love. Yeah. He did Blown Away, which isn't very good. The Nicole Eggert one? No, the Tommy Lee Jones, Jeff Bridges. (laughs) Nicole Eggert. Ah, I've seen that one. I've seen it too. There's a sex scene in there. Oh my God. uh, That's the only reason I ever saw it. The the camera follows a trickle of sweat from the back of her neck. All the way down to her ass crack. Yeah. It's a Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman love triangle with Nicole Eggert. It's very important to to know where the sweat goes. I mean, it takes fucking forever for that. Is there is there a saxophone music playing there? Yeah, There's got to be. There's got to be. Uh, he did Lost in Space. Oh. Uh, under Suspicion. Um, <laughs> the Life and Death of Peter Sellers, which mm. is a pretty good HBO thing. He did is that the, a documentary. Uh, no, it's the one where Jeffrey Rush plays Peter Sellers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's pretty good. The Reaping, which is one of the worst movies I've ever, I've <laughs> ever seen. Uh, that's a Hillary Swank joint. Uh, and then after that, he's been doing a lot of uh, uh TV shows and stuff. He did the movie Race back in 2016, but. <laughs> just got a it's weird a counterpoint career. to rush yeah yeah he's got a weird career like just uh like a lot of like movies you've heard of and probably don't like <laughs> what is under suspicion is that like a jean-claude van damme it's uh oh, morgan Jesus. freeman and uh a generic ass name yeah I under mean, suspicion yeah yeah he under suspicion has uh, morgan freeman gene hackman 
Oh. And uh, Thomas Jane, Monica Bellucci. I've seen this. It's all set. <laughs> of course you have. And it's all set in an office where Gene Hackman, one of them's committed a crime, a murder, and the other one knows it and is the cop. And it's just them talking the whole fucking movie. <laughs> really? Yes. I've seen this. Those two actors are talking? Uh, well, and Thomas Jane is in there, too. I think there's two cops and one bad... It's, boring as fuck i oh, think there's really? a storm going on outside so they can't go anywhere <laughs> it's, so it's it's almost like it it was somebody trying to do a mammoth movie yes. of some sort yes it feels actually i remember thinking it was a play that somebody had adapted into a well movie. it uh, it looks like it has uh see john wainwright book brainwash is ba- was what it's based on <laughs> so it's based yeah. on a book i mean you'd think just watching gene hackman and morgan freeman talk for a long time mm-hmm. i would think that's awesome but yeah not not good huh all right guys it's time to talk about movie once again movie movie so uh yeah uh as usual good stuff on there uh this month uh barrett what have you seen dude scroll through this thing and you'll see you'll see stuff from the united states of course but you'll see stuff from ukraine from italy from sweden from hungary cambodia from france a lot of stuff from france cambodia yeah exactly uh from china like you'll be able to get all of this international film stuffed into you, and mm-hmm. it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I watched a good old American film on yeah. this thing that just came up. I mentioned last time that I had seen The Cotton Club, Francis Ford Coppola's Cotton Club mm. on this, uh, which I hadn't seen in a long time. It was awesome. I also watched Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart. Ooh. Uh, this is an interesting movie. So this was uh, 1982. And it's not mentioned, like Cotton Club, it's not really mentioned as one of his classic movies. But it's a really good movie, and it's a really fun movie. This is uh, Terry Garr and Frederick Forrest, and they are uh, like, a, like a couple that's together. They're having troubles and stuff like that, and they break apart, and then they fuck around. They fuck around with sexy people, too. Mm-hmm. So, so he fucks around with Natasha Kinski, mm-hmm. who I just realized, by the way, is Klaus Kinski's daughter. Yeah, I think we've mentioned that before. I had forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he messes around with her, and uh, Terry Gar, she goes and messes around with Raul Julia. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And if you've never realized or forgot how sexy Raul Julia can be, this will put the sexiness right Ooh. in front of you. Yeah. This movie, it's, it's like a fantastical musical. You can compare it to La La Land. You can compare it to All That Jazz. Uh, and it's gorgeous. It's beautifully shot, very well acted. But the the star is basically the the soundtrack and and the way that it's shot. The soundtrack I had heard long before I saw the movie. Uh, it's when I was in a big Tom Waits phase and went through all of his stuff. You know, Foreign Affairs, Small Change, and all his stuff. Nighthawks at the Diner, and I I happened upon in the record store one from the heart. And I was like, what the fuck? One from the heart. This is a soundtrack that he did with Crystal Gale. Oh. country singer crystal gale mm-hmm. and i was like all right yeah you know, i like tom waits i'll do it this is basically the end of his like lounge singer carouser type of uh persona and it's beautiful i've listened to it lots of times and so i know the music by heart uh and then seeing the movie again uh really reawoken all those memories that i had of it it's awesome this is worth getting movie for just for this mm-hmm. awesome yeah and there's a million things out there. There's there's all kinds of stuff uh, from France, which is my jam. Uh, the uh, there's a, a movie on there right now uh, called White Wedding. Did you see White Wedding? I haven't seen that. Yet, uh, no. This is uh, Jean Claude Brousseau. It's a nice and- day for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. It, it also features the acting debut of Vanessa Paradis. 
Ah. Uh, who was Johnny Depp's lover. His uh, lover. His lover Lava. for a long time. Did you know that because but of Taylor Swift? She's also, <laughs> it's the Will Ferrell in Saturday Night Live. But she's also a very, very good actor. Uh, we, uh, I was talking about Knife Plus Heart that was on Mubi not too long ago that features her as a porno director. She's a really good actress. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to sign up for Mubi today. It's really, really good. And what can we offer? What can we use to entice the peoples? Here's what you do, Jeremy. All right. You following me? I'm with you. You go to Mubi.com. M U B I dot com. Slash Cinema Sins, and you get 30 days free. 30 days free. Mubi.com slash Cinema Sins. 30 days free where you can just binge. You can, you can, you can make it inside of you. You can just, you can just drink all this cinema in. Mm hmm. You will not be disappointed. Do it. Do it right now. Just just do it. Mm. Movie.com slash CinemaSense. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, questions? Questions? Yes, questions. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yes. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. This one's a fun one. Uh, I'm going to read the examples because I think they're interesting. The question is, what are some of your favorite songs or artists that reference movies or TV shows? This person's uh, favorite band, Four Years Strong, who I've never heard of, actually, uh, will routinely name their songs after famous movies like What's in the Box, uh, So You're Saying There's a Chance, What the Hell is a Gigawatt, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and it got me thinking, like, I don't think we've had a question like this before, don't and I so. like it a lot. What are some of your favorite songs or artists that reference movies or TV shows? Um. Hey, this was actually surprisingly not that hard to come up with yeah. uh because but i had never thought of it before yeah, yeah. Uh, uh i have i have three different three different kinds on here but the first thing that popped into my head was beastie boys looking down the barrel of a gun yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah. one of the greatest songs <laughs> ever uh but uh but the lyric is uh rapid fire louis like rambo got bullets i'm gonna die harder like my kid bruce willis yeah. and uh <laughs> and uh and it's uh and it's uh, such a great little part of that song which is so badass all the way through it's also got clockwork orange references yeah. in it and uh they they, they mention ultra violence and they even mention clockwork orange by name yeah. uh they also have a song called high plains drifter which i don't know it's on oh, the, yeah. it's on paul's boutique but i don't know if it's about high plains drifter or if it's uh if it's a uh, i've never really looked into it or whatever. i haven't either but uh it, that is the name of a of a movie yeah yeah um, it's clint eastwood yeah movie. even the they, beastie boys even have i'm like sam the butcher bringing alice the meat Oh yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, full yeah. of everything. In uh, Sure Shot, the opening track of Ill Communication, they're like, "I got more action than my man John Woo, yeah. and I got mad hits like I was Rod Carew." Well, I was about to say they they had the the more hits thing. They they in the um they did the Rod Carew thing, but in Paul's Boutique, they say they had more hits than Sadahara O. Oh, oh nice! <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, that's a deep cut. No shit, man. Um, <laughs> I even know who that is. Yeah, uh, but uh, but then there was some other stuff. Like uh, speaking of Clint Clean Eastwood, Gorillas has a song called Clint Eastwood, which I don't think has anything to do with Clint Eastwood. Absolutely nothing. And also no. takes six and a half minutes to end. Like, <laughs> yeah. You listen to the whole song, and then there's six and a half minutes of. It's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. Yeah. 
Um, Interestingly, they also have a song called Dirty Harry on oh, the, yeah? the next album. All right. Demon Days. God Ooh. damn. That's, they're both excellent. Um, and then the other kind, um, this is a band that I know that you guys did not listen to, uh, but uh, industrial band called Ministry. I like Ministry. You, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, they, they, they started to suck around, uh, Filth Pig, uh, era. Mid, late 90s. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. But everything before that is pretty cool, mm-hmm. I think, anyway, especially if you like that kind of music. But, uh, Ministry would always put in, uh, samples from, uh, from movies. So, uh, the song Thieves has a whole bunch of full metal jacket in it. Like, get up, get on your feet and all that. I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny. Full metal jacket has been used to, uh, in another very famous song. <laughs> what, what, it's obvious. What is it? Two Life Crew. Two Life Crew. That's right. Me so horny. Yeah, Me yeah. so horny. That's which, right. Uh, in both instances, I heard the songs before I saw the movie. And, uh, so like watching the movie and then seeing, finally hearing the actual, where those things come from, there's something very emotionally satisfying it is. about it. It is. Like, because I've, I've sort of like stayed away from like figuring out what they are just because whenever, if I ever see the movie that it's referencing, it becomes like this whole new like experience with it. They also did it in a song called Psalm 69, where there's a there's like there's all this like sound and then you hear this stop it at the end and that stop it comes from Suspiria. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um. Because uh, it's that the guy who the blind guy who stands up and uh-huh. stop it. And, you know. Um. So uh, yeah, there's three different kinds of uh, little movie reference type of things. Yeah, there. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that miso horny thing because growing up we obviously heard that song before or at least i did before i saw full metal for jacket. sure I, I didn't see full metal jacket until i was probably 18 the funny thing is, is that they could have had somebody in the background just doing that doing mm-hmm. that line yeah but they sampled the actual movie yeah and so when you do watch and it, it, it it's such a weird transition that is the first scene after boot camp mm-hmm. uh you you go through that emotional turmoil at boot camp the next scene is them sitting outside of that cafe smoking cigarettes. Doom, 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 and she's doom, like, Miss so honey. Doom, doom. She's just rubbing herself and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, how much? Like, what do you do? That kind of thing. And then, then he, he snatched their uh, camera or whatever. And the guy gets on the motorcycle and just flips him the bird. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Such a great scene. Me love you long time. Yeah. Me love you long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you got? Hi. Oh, I... I'm shamed by Chris's research efforts. <laughs> I, I put in my notes. I can only come up with examples of I hate, like the Fiverr Fighting song Superman or the Breakfast at Tiffany's song by Deep Blue Something. Deep Blue Something. <laughs> and uh, I don't like any of those. But then I thought of uh, Pure Energy by the Information <laughs> Society yeah. when I was in middle school, which would have been early mid-80s. Pure <laughs> Energy. Pure Energy. And it was a very oh. uh, electronic kind of rock with lots of samples. McCoy and Nimoy are both... Uh, McCoy and Nimoy, that's a character. <laughs> McCoy and Spock are both quoted from the classic Star Trek episodes. They're both sampled in that song. And my two friends and I would sit in the back of the bus and listen to that song all the way to school, over and over. And over. Oh, yeah. What did Information Society do? I want to a... know. Oh, that's it. Yeah, what yeah. you're thinking? Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You, oh. you don't like that Deep Blue Something song? No. I mean, it's as maudlin, like, white man mid-90s rock as you can get late I, 90s rock i guess i hate the cadence 
uh, <laughs> and the way that sentences are broken in half. And I said, what about, let's wait five seconds. <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. Let's wait another few seconds. She said, uh, hang on, I'm not ready. I think I remember that film. It's annoying. <laughs> so no, forced I, me I to rethink that whole thing. I don't like that song. <laughs> what was the other one you hated? Oh, uh, the, the Superman, uh, Five for Fighting. Is it about Superman? I don't know. Nah, Boy it, in a cape. This, uh, I'm trying to remember that song. Well, I, oh yeah, I was, uh, I was for some reason I was thinking of uh, Kryptonite by. Uh, oh, th- uh, Matchbox. Ma- no, Three Doors Down. Three Doors Down. Yeah, interchange the su- the Superman song though. I'm I'm not placing. I'm not placing it for some reason. It's interesting because the Flaming Lips have a great song called "Waiting for Superman" mm-hmm. on the Soft Bulletin album that and you had that yeah album. that's a good song that's the the pinnacle of the album mm-hmm. and that's a terrific five-star album mm-hmm. uh and it's such a great sentiment too because you know this song yeah i know the song I'm superman yeah 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 i know that song i'm not that naive yeah yeah, yeah. it's not easy is the it's the parenthetical title of the song five for fighting anyway well one one thing in a song a clip from a movie that i had no context to was guns and roses civil war yeah this opened up uh use your illusion too were you a guns and roses fan back in the day my brother was uh i was i only knew the songs that were on the radio guns and roses uh that release of use your illusion one and two was like one of the most anticipated moments of my life Mm -hmm. because i had been just absolutely wearing out i had already gone through two cassettes of appetite for destruction and it had been been about four years it was 1987 to 1991 yeah and uh a guy in my boy scout troop got them and i couldn't get them because of parental advice yeah yeah you can't just go to Sam Goody and fucking like pick up a couple of like these pornographic uh, vi- 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 audio cassettes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the guy, uh, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt Sloan, Matt Sloan got these tapes. And I was like, oh, holy shit. And he's like, use your illusion one is fine, but you've heard the hits from there. It's fine. Start with use your illusion two. And so I started with Use Your Illusion 2. It opens up with Civil War. And what it opens up with is what we have here is failure to communicate. Mm hmm. And which is from Cool Hand Luke. I didn't see Cool Hand Luke until I was in my 30s. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew this whole speech. And I, I didn't even, I, I think I had somehow associated it over the years, but I hadn't seen it in context. So when you get to the part in the movie, which is way into the movie, it's almost maybe the, the last third or so, when they get Luke back, I think the second time he's escaped, and he just throws him down that ditch and he makes that speech Mm -hmm. that speech is fucking important yeah but it and it really has nothing to do with guns and roses civil war let me ask you this (laughs) let me ask you this did you know that was from cool hand luke before you saw cool hand Luke? yes eventually i i associated those two but i hadn't seen them i don't i'm not sure if i did but once i started once i watched cool hand luke which is probably about the same time you did because i was in my 30s the first Mm. time i watched cool hand luke but as soon as I heard dude talk, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is that. This has got to be that same guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it may not be the same movie, but it's the same guy who did this. You yeah. Know? And it's so weird. It's so weird out of context. And that song is so 
ostentatious and over the top and stupid. I love it. Yeah. But it's like, it ends with, what's so civil about war anyway? <laughs> you know, the, Be- the Beatles did that song about that. <laughs> the Yellow Submarine? <laughs> no Holly movie, Lucy in the Sky. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow they're from the future they are <laughs> by the way watched uh it's a bad trip <laughs> it's having a bad trip <laughs> i watched uh cool hand luke the other day with the entire family including the boy wow really? and he loved it did mm-hmm. he want to try and eat a bunch of eggs well we stopped uh, we started on that scene actually so we didn't watch the entirety uh, i just kind of filled them in uh but he was like what is he doing i'm like well he's eating 50 eggs within uh, an hour i think is what it was and uh, he was like, he's not going to do it, right? And from then on, he was transfixed. Did you uh, allow, allow him to watch the car washing scene? Actually, I think that's before uh, the egg scene. Okay. Because so, I was waiting for it because they're out like sweating and all that stuff. And I was like, Which I mean, it, it's coming up. I mean, it's not because it doesn't have anything. I would, I would be fine with him. Yeah. yeah. It it's, doesn't, it's, it's just sexy. It's just, yeah. It's just like, damn. You're like, you'd be the same way if you were <laughs> in prison and having to work and that suddenly starts happening. <laughs> Shaking the bush. Shaking the bush, boss. <laughs> uh, what's, what's so sexy about that scene is that she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. And she loves it. She mm. probably goes back in, jerks off like immediately. <laughs> She's like a bunch of sweaty dudes yeah. fucking lusting after me. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the sound it makes? It, that's the exact sound it makes. Anytime you hear that sound, a woman is masturbating. Sounded like a helicopter. And an angel gets their wings. <laughs> I'm giving out wings. Anyway, the, the other one, and I've been trying to wrap my head around this for, for a long time now is Prince's soundtrack to Batman, the 1989 mm-hmm. one. I also wore this cassette out. All hail, the new king of town. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that besides uh, Party Man and Bat Dance, there's really no other singles on this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just it, It's just kind of like vibey, disco-y, funky groove tracks, you know? But it's so tied with that movie. Yeah. And it's so weird to me, A, that Prince would agree to, I, I don't know if he had a fascination with Batman or if he was tight with, uh, with fucking, uh, Danny Elf, not Danny Elfman, uh, Tim Burton, or like how this collaboration came about. I know it was, had to do with Warner's because Warner's owned his music for, uh, at that period of time, but he went all fucking in. Like the Bat Dance music video is all like him half side as Joker, half side as Batman and all that stuff. And it's so perplexing. Like they actually sample, uh, lines from the film in the soundtrack they have like the where vicky vale introduced herself he's like he samples it and she's like vicky vale vicky vale vicky 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 vale. isn't it even like who's that yeah uh, stop the press yeah, yeah. stop who's the that? press yeah. and then uh where does he get those wonderful toys it's just such a weird thing i love party man i actually really like bad dance but it's not a very good prince album and prince usually is good, good stuff <laughs> mm-hmm so that was weird, man. I was obsessed with that movie growing up. I know every single little beat of it. Caught that again recently. Mm. Just like big warm hug. What do you What do you think about it in Shaun of the Dead, where they decide to use that that record specifically? To I think I would too. <laughs> <laughs> so that guy, that uh, questioner was from Minnesota. 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 All right. Uh, greetings from sunny England. Long time oh. listener and viewer to the podcast yeah. and YouTube videos. No longer. 
<laughs> I think it's beautiful. Uh, let's see. Just wondering, in your opinions, what do you? Who do you think has the most perfect career in movies? Be they actor or director or actress. Uh, most perfect is in quotes. Uh, essentially, you know, who's batting near or at a thousand? Mm. I like this question a lot. I do too. Makes I do think. too. I, I mean, yeah, I had to stretch because there's really only a couple of answers you can like if you took took this to the letter. Mm-hmm. There's really only a couple of answers you can give. Mm-hmm. But what you got? Well, I think Christopher Nolan as a director. Um, I think if you ask people what Nolan's weakest film was, most people would probably say Dark Knight Rises. I would. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe some would say Insomnia, which is a movie that I didn't used to love as much as I do now. Um, but it has grown on me as I've watched it more. But he doesn't have any like glaring misstep where you're like, oh, Nolan directed that Adam's Family 2 movie yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Can I ask you a, a question? Sure. Do you know... Because I definitely would put Dark Knight Rises at the bottom of yeah. this group. Do you know if he had similar studio interferences like Raimi did with Spider-Man 3 or Fincher with the Alien I don't think thing? he had any studio interference. I think his his co-star died. Do you think he made the movie that he wanted to make? No, because I think he wanted to bring back Joker after eight years of Batman being Batman and have them square off one more time. And Heath Ledger died. And so I think he had to scramble story-wise. And is that a story that you've heard before? Or is this just a theory? Like, I'm wondering if that's actually. I have like, never heard him say that. It seems obvious because Joker is is hinted at. If you take Batman Begins as a year one kind of a thing, mm-hmm. he, he gets the Joker card at the end of that. This is Gary Oldman saying, hey, you can't dress up like a bat and go crazy without expecting the criminals oh, to start doing yeah, some of that shit. Yeah. The second movie is their showdown. Batman wins. Yeah. And then Batman retires. It just makes logical sense that Heath and the Joker would have come back for that third film. And that, yeah, I don't know. It just makes perfect sense to me. And I can't explain why that film has so many other missteps yeah. when Nolan's career is so unblemished in my eyes. Yeah. And I mean, I will say this. If that is a 100% true reason why that movie the way it is, there is some studio interference there. Well, sure. Because that the interference would be you have to come out with the movie. Yeah, he. Why did he? Why did he continue to make the movie? I guess he probably had a three picture deal. I see. I see. Yeah, there's just so many missteps in that movie. Yeah. I want to love it. I, I think you've gotten there's, to the point where you. I enjoy love it. it. I enjoy it. Um, I wince at a few areas, but I enjoy it. Um, there's a lot to like there. It's just there's a lot to shrug. <laughs> as well and uh but yeah that's just, that's probably his weakest movie and you know I don't, I don't think he's batting a thousand but he's batting like i mean 900 you you saw that following movie right yeah and you liked it a lot right oh, i liked it i mean it's nothing like anything that you're going to know and appreciate no one for i see uh, memento was his announcement right mm-hmm. yeah and so you got a memento insomnia both really, really good. Batman Begins, excellent. Prestige, first class. Dark Knight, first class. Inception, first class. Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar. Yeah, you're right, man. Dunkirk. And Dunkirk. Yeah, did I say Dunkirk? You didn't, but... No, Dunkirk. <laughs> but yeah, and then actor-wise, I thought, again, there's no actor who has a perfect track record mm. uh, in terms of the film quality. Uh, but I put Denzel because I love Denzel, but also even a bad movie with Denzel, I still enjoy Denzel. What's the worst Denzel movie oh, off the God, top of your I knew head? Somebody's going to say something like this. I don't like the one he does with the Caribbean accent as much as 
uh, some others. Uh, we, a, no, no, it's that one. We actually mentioned it, and we mentioned it recently. There's two that are similar. I don't, Deja Vu is pretty bad, but I fucking love it. <laughs> um, is Deja Vu the one on the Mississippi River? Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe that uh, that uh, Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare one he did. Oh, much ado oh, about nothing. He was, he was good in that. I'm just. I'm. You the asked. Mi- the Mighty Quinn is the one that I think of yes. whenever someone says his Jamaican accent or whatever. Yes. Um, Although a lot of people like that movie, and I think the last time we mentioned it, you said you liked it, but I don't know if that's true or not. No, I think I like that movie. Uh, but then there's like Mississippi Mazala, yeah. and um, what else is in here? How many credits does he have? Uh, fifty-six. Huh. Not anywhere near as many as you'd think. Yeah. Your guy's been around for a long time. He's choosier than you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet he still does Equalizer, I mean, too. <laughs> uh, Pelican Brief, I don't really like yeah, very much. Yeah, Pelican Brief. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Um, but he's good in it. Yeah. He's yeah. just, he's he's super dependable. Always good, always a good performance. No, you're right. Equalizer yeah. 2 can suck my ball sack, mm-hmm. but he's fine in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just imagining um, a, a movie sucking your balls <laughs> of all the movies to suck my ball side it's that one yeah um but uh, yeah i can i can i can totally get i don't know what the other movie is that he might have the jamaican accent in. uh i'll find the one i'm thinking of and i don't think he has an accent i think it's just an, uh, on an island okay i um i, I went up with uh alfonso cuaron um, on this uh, yeah. and i still haven't seen everything that he's done either um there's one uh movie of shame on his list that i haven't seen and that's um oh wait a minute i've, I've seen everything i'm thinking i think i'm thinking of somebody else so i've seen i'm i think i've seen everything that he's done except for maybe some early spanish language films that he did uh i even saw the uh the one that's from 91 here the solo calm to pareja i've seen that one that was on movie wasn't it yeah it was on movie yeah um uh, a little princess is great yep. uh, uh obviously i'm not big great expectations fan but maybe i'll watch it again someday uh Itu mama tambien is Such great great movie uh harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban is one of the better harry mm-hmm. potters uh, he did a he did a short in the Paris Jatam uh an, like uh, anthology movie that came out in 2006. But did you see that movie? I did because Coen Brothers did one in there, and uh, uh, who else was in that? There was a million directors that were like really really good. Is it yeah. is it good? Uh, I don't remember it being good. Um, and I don't even know which one he did, but 7.3 on the IMDb. Huh. There, I, I think I remember there being good things, good stories. But mm. like every anthology stuff, there's like some that are like, eh, I could do without, one, do without that one. Mm-hmm. But then there's others that are great. I'm thinking of Out of Time. Which ah, is, uh, Out of Time, yeah. The similarities are it's Florida, not an island. And he's a police chief who also has to keep himself from being arrested for murder. Like there's, I feel like Mighty Quinn has some parallel stuff there where he's like the police chief of the island but he's also under suspicion of something. Um, <laughs> under suspicion. Well, under suspicion. <laughs> uh, he, I, uh, yeah, he is. He, he, he kind of is in the Mighty Quinn. Um, uh, I, more, more. It's they don't want him looking into what's going uh, on okay. than really him and being in trouble for anything. He's got a cousin who's played by Robert Townsend. Uh, who is uh, under suspicion? That's right. That's right. I also, when I was doing that, I just found the worst Denzel movie, and it's uh, it's the Preacher's Wife. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was like what? Didn't late Cor- 90s? Courtney B. Vance and Whitney Houston in that? Whitney Houston was definitely in that. I only saw it once. Right around two thousand. 
Well, it's, it's, it was it's 90, a remake. 96. 96? I think it's a remake of a Capra film? I never saw it. It's that. a remake of another film. Yeah, Courtney B. Vance is in it as well. Gregory Hines is in it. Oh, wow. Uh, but I remember seeing this because this came out around Christmas. Uh, Penny Marshall directed it. Yeah. Uh, it's a preacher's wife. Yeah. Um, she's under suspicion. Yeah, she's under suspicion. <laughs> she's Whitney Houston. She's always under suspicion. Is there any misstep on Coran's... Uh, uh, so List. yeah, I was, uh, we we got Denzel Washington sidetracked there. So, <laughs> no, no, that's not not anything that I'm blaming you for. Um, Alfonso Cuarón uh, then uh, did uh, Children of Men, which of course we all love. Let's see a movie called I don't know what they call it, The Possibility of Hope, but it still says Children of Men on the poster. I don't know what that's all about. Huh. Oh, Gravity. I sure am glad they didn't call that movie The Possibility of Hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! I know, and it would have been it would have featured somebody named Hope in it. That's what. That's how that movie would have well, been. Key. Her name wouldn't have been would have been Hope instead of Key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gravity, and then Roma. So uh, his his uh, filmography is a little bit more like sparse than mm-hmm. you'd think too. Like it seems like he's been around forever, but like almost everything he comes out with is just is slam bang. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a movie called Ascension coming out. That's his next one. Uh, everything is being kept under wraps about that. Oh, I'm excited. Um, by the way, it was funny. The other day I saw a, a preview for some TV show that's coming out. And the first shot of it that came up, I was like, wait, is this Annihilation? I don't know. I can't figure out if this is. It seems like it might be Annihilation. But I was like, nah, probably not. And then it goes through and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, from the director of Ex Machina and Annihilation. <laughs> and it's Is that some, the Amazon show? It's some show that's coming out that he's behind. Wow. And I was like, damn, I nailed that shit. <laughs> 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 that was just more about me being awesome than it is Alex Garland. Uh, for actor, I picked Tom Cruise. Um, yeah yeah that's pretty good um i i thought about matt damon there for a bit because mm-hmm. it seemed like matt damon always seems to hit uh every big movie he hits with but then that's not true because mm. there's like downsizing and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of movies on there you're like uh, all the pretty horses and uh, he's not the problem with any of those movies no, but they're bad movies yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh Cruz obviously has some bad on his resume and he's probably had more misses in the past 10 years than he's had hits mm. mission impossible notwithstanding um but the guy's career is unbelievable like mm-hmm. almost everything that he was in was a famous movie mm-hmm. was probably a decent movie too like there's not very many bad ones mm-hmm. in there there's some that are like yeah i don't yeah, I don't care for that very much but not very many that you're like oh that's a piece of shit yeah no, the only the only thing that springs to mind that I think I would immediately go that's not good was that that rock and roll musical thing. Oh yeah, did. that's uh, that is a piece of shit. Rock that's of rock ages? of ages. Yeah, I hated and, that. An interview with a vampire would would be on there, but that's again he's he's not really the problem. He's got forty nine credits. Uh, he started off with Endless Love, then he was in Taps, The Outsiders, Losing It, Risky Business, All the Right Moves legend top gun color of money cocktail rain man born on the fourth of july days of thunder far and away a few good men the firm interview with the vampire mission impossible jerry Maguire, eyes wide shut um magnolia mission impossible 2 vanilla sky minority report uh he's got that cameo in austin powers gold member 
last samurai mm-hmm. you know that's that's one that's like a big aim but it's not the greatest but it's mm-hmm. still not a piece of shit mm-hmm. collateral he's great in mm-hmm. uh war of the worlds got some good moments but not great not mission- when he's throwing a baseball yeah yeah exactly <laughs> mission possible three lions for lambs which i never saw and i, I heard was not very good oh man no <laughs> that's an american political thriller right yeah I'm tr- is it is it Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep, yeah. Isn't it? Robert so Redford. He, his scenes are almost all with Meryl Streep. He's like a senator or something, and, right? and he's shady, and he's trying yeah. to convince her of something, and she's. This is yeah, no, it's boring. But I, heard it was I don't boring, think yeah. he's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tropic Thunder, yeah. Valkyrie's great. Uh, Night and Day, which is getting some uh, uh, some late cult hit. Love. Thanks to Barrett. Yep. Yeah. Mission Impossible: yeah, Ghost Protocol. We mentioned Rock of Ages. Jack Reacher's better than I thought it was yep. the first time I saw it. Oblivion is a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Edge of Tomorrow's outstanding. Uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation is great. Uh, Jack Reacher: Never Go Back. I never saw that. I heard it was not good. Yeah. I thought it was Never Reach, but never. Mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the Mummy was not good. No, oh, that's actually the piece of shit. Yeah. I would watch Rock, Rock of Ages again before I would watch The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, Rock of Ages and The Mummy are both pieces of shit. Yeah, There's yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> I never saw... Did you see American Made? Yes. How was that? I saw it twice. The first time I was underwhelmed. The second time I liked it slightly more. Because uh-huh. uh, because I think it was Dicer, actually, that reminded me it was uh, our boy, the director man, Edge of Tomorrow... Doug Lyman. Oh, Doug, Doug Lyman. Lyman directed that movie, whereas the first time I watched it, I was like, so Nicolas Cage has a movie about running guns. <laughs> Jonah Hill has a movie about running guns. Now Tom Cruise has a movie about running guns. Yeah. Uh, but when I went back and watched it, because Donald Gleason's in it, yeah. uh, and it, it, it holds up better the second time, uh, but it's not not great it's not essential but uh, cruise's next few movies by the way are all you know like there's five uh sort of like you know imdb's upcoming projects who knows if they'll ever be made but top gun maverick we've seen the trailer for that that's coming out next year have you seen the behind the scenes footage like how they're getting the shots and all that stuff no but that i want to talk about this trailer a little bit if you don't mind i do too we got plenty of time to do that it i really do looks gorgeous like just the look, just the cinematography of the planes flying through the canyons. And I think, again, this is Joseph Kaczynski. You said, just said Oblivion, but he directed that. He did Tron Legacy and he did Only the Brave, mm. uh, which is a movie I keep going back to over and over again. And all three of those movies look stunning. Mm-hmm. And so I think Top Gun 2, even while the story may suck, I think it's going to be visually stunning. No, and that's it, exciting. I think it's going to be very, it seems like it's going to be very much Mission Impossible y. The behind-the-scenes footage, it's about five minutes or so. It was posted to their account and retweeted through Rotten Tomatoes, where they show all the different cameras, very much like the the helicopter scene in uh, in Fallout, mm-hmm. where they show all the cameras. They are pulling six Gs, mm. and it's showing the difference. Like, it's him taking off from the, the, the carrier and all that yeah. stuff, and you see, like, the pressure on his face and stuff like that. And he put the, the, the whole cast through this, too. And so part of it is like Miles Teller and like some of the other ones like, you know, Tom said, we have to do it. <laughs> and they're not they're not blaming him. They're like, we're glad we did it. But man. And you see like a, a few of them said, I, I puked my guts out the, the first time. that well, I did I've it. already seen criticism of that move in the trailer where he's well, basically he stops short on the other guys. And but that's a real maneuver. Yeah, it's apparently really difficult to pull off. They call it a cobra maneuver where you lift your jet and it almost you basically slam up against wind and stop and everybody goes right by you. And then you lower your nose again and you're right back. Yeah, behind. yeah, yeah. I think that much like 
fallout and stuff like that like the the behind the scenes stuff only will enhance this mm-hmm. i now want to see this movie yeah i had i could give a shit about yeah. it because well, i was it, never a huge top gun fan back well in the if day. it was if it if it was just like going through all the hits and kelly mcgillis shows up yeah. and you know it's yeah. <laughs> like this you know like uh crash and burn hum have and all that bullshit then yeah it would, but it doesn't look like that no and that's what people are saying like oh well, it's a whole retread because you know goose's son has a has a mustache and stuff i like said it. that yeah did you really <laughs> <I did. laughs> that mustache is awful Go ahead. Well, it's not a retread is my point. It doesn't, it, it it doesn't, doesn't look like a retread. Yeah. It, it looks like it could be and maybe not. But I'm trusting because Tom, Tom Cruise is not known for going back and sequel his Right. Other yeah, than yeah. Mission Impossible, he doesn't have a franchise he's gone back to and just cashed in on. And he yeah. could have easily. He yeah. could have made Top Gun 2 in 1996 yeah. and made 20 million for it. Could make um, Rain Man 2. So I have to believe he's got like you like you're adding him to this list of having. Rain Man too. I got that. Um, <laughs> of having a good batting average because he has a great batting average. He's got a really good picker. He picks projects very well, and I think he wouldn't have done this if there wasn't some good reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got he's got two Mission Impossible's in the in the pipeline apparently, uh, and he's got Live Die Repeat and Repeat. Oh, nice. Oh, that's interesting. And oh. then a movie called Luna Park, which has also got Doug Lyman attached to it. Huh. Live Die Repeat and Repeat. <laughs> It's after, not a, it's, after you just got done saying he doesn't sequel us. not a great sequel title <laughs> yeah and I, the studio will still end up calling it under suspicion uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i hope they just call it edge of tomorrow beyond, too. beyond tomorrow yeah beyond tomorrow <laughs> over the edge the next day the of event tomorrow. horizon <laughs> no, you should totally watch that behind the scenes footage though it uh it's very much like that helicopter thing uh, like gets me jazzed I to see it yeah to, to see it um what were we talking about again <laughs> perfect careers yeah did you were gonna name some maybe you know it's funny uh i've got what well, people may uh, that that are familiar with the podcast may expect me to say stanley kubrick and i could say stanley kubrick uh, i believe he does have just the pristine record mm-hmm. uh starting from spartacus on but what I the name that originally popped in my head with directors was amy heckerling mm-hmm. uh because i i remembered thinking you know her first feature was fast times at ridgemont high and went all the way until clueless and i figure she's got some good things thrown in there i can't do it because it's it's a crazy thing so she starts with uh fast times at ridgemont high in 1982 her next movie which i fucking love is johnny dangerous yeah this is another underrated like underseen underseen movie i mean people kids the kids these days don't realize how fucking amazing michael keaton was in his prime his comedic timing was perfect mm-hmm. and this movie is so fucking good yeah national lampoon's european vacation i think is a funny thing i know i've got like uh more of an affinity to national lampoon's than a lot of people mm-hmm. but i think it's funny look who's talking was a funny movie look who's talking too was not so that yeah. would be the 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 turd in the punch bowl here mm-hmm. and then clueless and i was like wow it's a pretty good stretch right there and then she hits fucking the jason biggs 2000 movie loser mm-hmm. with uh mina mina Suvari. kunis with suvari mm, yeah. yes where she's eating <laughs> mina kunis <laughs> mina kunis she's eating like ketchup packets and stuff like that that uh thing sucks but she did direct a uh, uh an episode of the office and now she's basically gone into tv she did a few gossip girl episodes but so 
she's had a very good career, very interesting career, and I wanted to shout that out because I actually didn't remember that she did Johnny Dangerously. She was 28 when she did Fast Times Fast at Ridgemont High. That's crazy young. Yeah. That's crazy young. It How really did that movie is. get made? Because even Cameron Crowe was like 22 or something yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, um, yeah and, and Crowe famously went into high schools to uh, to like do undercover uh, work. <laughs> so he posed as a student to, to write his book and everything and then he wrote the screenplay but yeah that movie's got a lot of interesting stories behind it man just the like the 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 scene with jennifer jason lee and uh and uh uh damone uh-huh. in the pool house or whatever was uh-huh. supposed to have male frontal nudity in it too to be equal and they 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 canned mm. it they mm. canned it because you know, you know people don't like seeing dongs flashing around they love seeing dongs now yeah dongs are everywhere dongs now. are fucking everywhere but but back then in 1982 you, you could only have the female nudity and uh and and i remember watching the uh the uh, director's commentary on this movie and that scene comes up and she get, and amy heckerling goes look at that She's Jennifer Jason <laughs> Lee's just completely naked. She's like, she's like, oh, I'm like, oh my god, like, how, how, what? I can't even believe this is in here right now. You know, that, you know. Um, and then they talk. I think they talk a little bit about the Demone nudity too. Had they had, had to cut it out, but the Phoebe Cates scene that everybody knows Fast Times at Ridgemont High for, uh, you know, uh, she apparently Phoebe Cates kind of went to her and said, "I'm kind of worried about the scene and all that, and I don't know if I want to do it and all that." and and Amy Hagerling was like, look, I I want to be a working director. The studio wants this type of thing in it. Wow. I, have, I have to do this scene. You have to do this scene. Wow. Yeah. Practical realities of stuff. Yeah. Well, so. it was the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've progressed at least in some things. But you know what? I've seen I've seen different accounts from Phoebe Cates about that scene, like all sorts of like ones where like, oh, she was just raring to go to do this scene and then others where it said that she was kind of having some second thoughts about it yeah and i can i can imagine there's a lot of emotions tied mm-hmm. up in that stuff oh, I've, yeah. I've never done a nude scene myself well yeah i mean i've done it in front of the mirror imagining myself taking off my sure. bikini top sure i stand in front of the mirror and massage myself and say you're a star uh-huh yeah and a star, a star a star a star massage myself uh- <laughs> With the uh, with the the ELO song coming That's in. That's right. right. Uh, and I have an easy answer for the the most perfect acting uh, category. So you 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 settled on Heckerling, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go with it. Okay. Because my my real answer is Kubrick, but I yeah, that's boring. But no, entire. Heckerling's good. I mean, she she just hasn't done a lot mm-hmm. of movies that you can say, well, she's done some a lot of shit and a lot. She hasn't have she didn't have much shit, but yep. there's you know there's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, the acting category is. Uh, we were actually talking. Chris and I were about this last week. Uh, John Cazal. Uh, and I don't know if you listening know his name, but this is Fredo from The Godfather. Uh, John Cazal uh, was a uh, theater actor uh, for most of his life. He died early, I think about 41, 42, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in every movie that he was in was nominated for Best Picture. Jesus. So he's only in five features. But these are the features. Uh, the Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. So he liked working with Coppola. Coppola. Yes. Fuck. And Pacino. And Pacino. And, uh, yeah famously played well famously all of these are famous but uh he played um al pacino's lover um in dog day afternoon mm-hmm. and he's spectacular in that movie. is he is he the lover i thought chris sarandon was 
No, you're right. He's just a partner because he's getting the money for a, a sex change operation. Yeah, is what yeah, they call yeah. it. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. That's right. God, Chris Sarandon mm-hmm. was in that. <laughs> yeah. God, I forgot that. I need to watch that movie again. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. John Cazale is is fantastic. Even when he's when he's doing the whole confession to Michael in Godfather Part Two, where he's on that Barca lounger and he's just like, you know, I was passed over. You know, I'm your big brother, Mike. He's just spastic and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And you could tell he's, he's completely embodied that character. And he's right. He's right. I mean, he got to totally. There was no mention whatsoever in any of those movies about the possibility of Fredo taking over the operation. Mm-hmm. It was just send him to fucking Vegas and get him out of our mm-hmm. head. It was either Sonny or it was Mike. And actually, he wanted to pass over Sonny, but he had to go in the line of succession. So anyway, I like me some John Cazale. Yeah, he was uh, he was once uh, going to be married to Meryl Streep. Yeah, he was uh, he was engaged to her, or he was dating her at least when he was doing the Deer Hunter. He mm-hmm. died right after the Deer Hunter. Yep. Uh, in fact, she they wanted to. From what I read, they wanted to fire him from the Deer Hunter because they knew he had cancer. They being the studio, mm-hmm. uh, and Meryl Streep herself lobbied to keep him in the the. Um, the movie well and it's interesting because i don't know if uh, streep had the poll that she had uh has now because it was 1980 no it was 78 uh when it came out 78 yeah that's and, right. and and she was still like uh i don't think she had a big movie no at that point no huh? so she's very convincing very convincing <laughs> yeah just like an actress there are two things that always happen in TV shows and movies that never fail to annoy me. One, a lot of action movies have at least one scene in which uh, some guy gets chased through the kitchen of a busy Asian restaurant by some <laughs> other guy making a mess of the place. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. why are the people in movies and TV shows always ordering something in a restaurant but never stay to eat the food or even wait to get the food they ordered? Mm-hmm. This happens so often. The only character in a movie that I can think of that actually stays to enjoy his order is Walter Subcheck in The Big Lebowski. He's stamped. He's enjoying his coffee. I'm fucking staying. Yeah. Uh, so what is the what is it with Hollywood being a dick to people in the service industry and or wasting food? Uh, happy holidays from Sweden. Well, I can tell you why. The second one, I think, is just a practical thing where because mm. we've told the story before about um, <clears throat> guys and dolls where he kept making what's his name have to eat the cheesecake. Over yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, knew so he hated cheesecake. Brando made Sinatra do that. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so, I mean, I think anytime you shoot with food, the concerns are the actor can only eat so much. Mm. Uh, the food might go cold. Uh, and I think it's just easier to write scripts in a way where the characters aren't eating mm-hmm. um, because the continuity I think gets trickier when there's actual eating of food being done. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's the second one. Uh, but I did want to point out that Bill Murray orders like 12 breakfasts in Groundhog Day and he stays for all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, think- and, uh, doesn't, uh, Vincent and Mia eat their, they eat their burgers in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he digs into that steak, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about steaks, are you getting a good steak at fucking Jackrabbit fucking Slim's? I don't know. It's a fictional restaurant. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. I think most of the money has gone into those car booths and the uh, get-ups for the waitresses. It's just so weird. You expect a burger, a Derwood Kirby burger, to mm-hmm. be on the menu, but not a fucking Douglas Sirk steak. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, let's go get a steak. I don't want to get a steak from fucking Jackrabbit that Slim's. That would be just like any other theme restaurant, right? Do you think Hard Rock Cafe has... Uh, exactly this i've is, never had a steak from hard rock is, cafe well and you shouldn't even though they probably have one on their menu mm-hmm. because hard rock cafe is not about the food it's uh-huh. about the shit on the wall have yeah. you been to the hard rock cafe down here once. yeah i've been i actually went once recently 
Did you really? Yeah, it's a long, complicated story. <laughs> Not really, but it doesn't need to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and then once, I think, when it opened yeah. somewhere around the 90s somewhere. I went when it when it opened, yeah. Because uh, the, uh, the remaining Eagles opened the Hard Rock Cafe. Nice. Don Felder and I believe Glenn Fry okay. uh, were doing Eagle songs. They were playing outside of the Hard Rock Cafe. Nice. And I was a big Eagles fan at the time. The, so uh, I bet you were. The one thing I want to say, though, about this uh, this question, well, this statement, is that uh, Get Shorty makes fun of this. <laughs> um, Martin Weir, who's Danny DeVito's character in Get Shorty, uh goes in and he has a meeting with john travolta yeah. and all them and they're at this fancy restaurant where you basically go just to be seen and uh he goes in there and the waitress comes by and devito's like could you do this and do all this special shit and everything like that that's and not on the menu <laughs> not, on, not on the menu doesn't let them order anything <laughs> and then the 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 server goes away and then they talk about the movie briefly and then he gets up and just leaves <laughs> and then they bring his food, bring right, the food <laughs> right after that this stuff that none of them ordered at all and uh it's a really funny scene yeah, that, that whole movie's well. funny yeah did you ever watch that always me but be my maybe uh, with uh, Ali Wong and Randall Park. Uh, um, yeah, I did. And that's uh, did you watch it? Not yet. That scene with Keanu, man. Oh, this is not yeah. spoiling anything, but he he sits down to order and he's like, "Do you have anything that that plays with the concept of time?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, "Yes, of course, sir. Yes, of course, sir." Yeah, <laughs> and he, he just says it does deadpan. And, Somebody uh, has done that before. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he, he's that point where like they're they're wondering whether they're going to pay for it and everything, and who's going to pay for it. And uh, Keanu Reeves comes back uh, uh, like towards the end of the meal, and he's like, "I just wanted you to know that I went ahead and bought this meal with one of the paychecks I got from one of my movies called Speed." <laughs> <laughs> he even calls it a blockbuster or yeah, something like that one of my blockbuster, blockbuster movies called speed <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point about get short that's a movie that i don't see on any of the streaming services or like readily available on cable but i always want to watch it if it would come on i would watch it religiously i agree i agree i love that movie my beef is with uh restaurants and mob movies mm. because everybody wants to sit down but they want to sit down in public and where do you sit down in public not at a fucking park you sit down at a restaurant, and so you're ordering the food, and then fucking gunplay starts, right? right. So in the in the Godfather, for instance, so you know th there's this whole thing about where the meeting is going to take place with Michael and Salazzo and the the dirty police chief, and so you know they say, well, where's it going to? It's always planned to be at a restaurant. We just don't know which restaurant it is. Now they finally say like the restaurant, and it's a family place. Even uh, um, Hey, Fagoda says it's a family place. I know good food. People pay you know pay attention to themselves and all that stuff. And so he this this restaurant's been around forever. It's a family place. Mm. There should be families there. Mm -hmm. It does a good business, good enough to where people know it from uptown and downtown. And yet Michael fucking plugs uh, two people right in the middle of it. Nobody's going to that fucking restaurant again. Mm, that's right? true the murder lasagna yeah, yeah exactly. i mean i mean I, the, the, the manicotti may be fantastic but are you going to the murder place i don't think so i often think about that coffee house doc ock throws a car through in spider-man 2 yeah that, mm. that place is probably closed that place yeah. is fucked oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that place is dead and it looked like a local joint it didn't whatever look like kind of, a, yeah it like wasn't a, a starbucks jamba juice or no, whatever whatever kind yeah. of you know insurance that guy has is not going to cover that damage that store is done that's true you don't get insurance specifically for super villains <laughs> 
throwing cars. <laughs> you maybe in this day and age you do, but <laughs> not <laughs> back then. I love uh, that's a. Uh, I love in Godfather that Sterling Hayden that uh-huh. plays the uh, plays the dirty cop mm-hmm. guy, and he's in Doctor Strange Love. Yep. He's the you know Jack D. Ripper. Yeah, and, and he's uh, in uh, the early one, The Killing. Right, The Killing. He's great in The Killing. Yeah, he's the yeah, main yeah. guy in The Killing. Yeah, he's a terrific actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy that we don't talk about too often, but Sterling Hayden's fucking phenomenal. You know, it, it, it's such a weird moment in that movie. This is getting off topic, but it, it's such a weird moment that he runs into Michael outside of the hospital. And he's like, you know, uh, what are what are you doing here and all that stuff? And Michael doesn't even backtalk him. Basically, just says, "Why are the the men outside of my my father's door? Why were they removed?" And uh, he was like, "Well, you know, they had to go or something like that." And, and he makes some remark, but it's completely innocuous. And he fucking bashes him in the the face in the jaw mm-hmm. with a with a roll of nickels. He had a roll of nickels in his hand, ready to fucking. Pounce. Mm-hmm. I usually do. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, when they'd taken him to meet with Salato, he's just like, I'm sorry for the other night, Mike. You know, I was having a bad day or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, that just seems like a massive overreaction that sets, like, the, the, the whole movie is jaws broken. Yeah. It's always bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Even though Merry it's Christmas. like, you know, like, uh it'll be out december 30th so it won't be yeah, happy, new year. happy, happy new, year. new year and also I ju- i'll just make a little note of this this is the fourth year anniversary of us doing this podcast Yay! yes first sat down december 23rd 2015 and it has changed my life and i mean that in all honesty i do too and i um, uh we've come a long way baby we have come a long and way many of you have come along with us the whole time yeah 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 this is fun and it, i th- i think well, I appreciate that you guys still listen to us and still engage with us. And I hope you guys appreciate that we put a lot of work into this and a lot of effort and to make sure that we get these episodes out at the same time every week for four years now. Four years. Four, four years. years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. Uh, we also have a CinemaSins Twitter, uh, music video since Twitter, SoundCloud, uh, we're also on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can go to our Reddit page and find Ooh. a link on the right side Ooh. of the page. Yeah, we got Reddit too, <laughs> they baby. Have Reddit on computers they have, yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a new Mexico. Um, and uh, but uh, you can uh, find a link on the right side of the Reddit page for the Discord, or you can go to Facebook and private message me, and I will give you a link there. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Uh, I saw an article the other day. Oh, this is going to be awesome. About how Brian Cranston and Ed Norton... And Dwayne The Rock Johnson had all signed this letter urging Hollywood to hire more disabled actors. Okay. All three of those motherfuckers have played disabled people in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. So did they did they get burned after that and then decide, I need to sign this letter and be a part of this movement? Or are they just hypocrites? Who was it again? It was uh, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, and The Rock. And then there's like a dozen other names, half of them you'd recognize, but nobody near as big a star as those. Uh, Marley Matlin. Oh, okay. Uh, urging Hollywood to, to hire 
to, to audition disabled people for roles and to hire them when that you know. It's weird. You're talking about Cranston did it in the Intouchables in remake, yeah. right? And of course, Rock and Skyscraper, Skyscraper and Ed Norton with his, his Tourette's. Yeah, his motherless Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm not mad. I it's a good cause. More people need to be rallied to the cause. I just think it's weird that the three biggest names are all people that seem to have ignored that letter up until two years ago. Oh, ah! I had one cut of the dead on my fucking desk. <laughs> but have you watched it? No. Don't bring it back till you watch okay. it. Okay. Well, at this point, <laughs> it would be a useless hey, he thing. Had, uh, he had, I gave him the sting and he probably had it a year. Didn't ever watch it. Motherfucker. That's a good movie, too. That's a really good movie. That's like that's like Barrett's jam. The Sting, the Sting would be your fucking jam. Yeah, you would love that movie. What the fuck is that face? Is that your phone? Mm-hmm. Whose face Keith, is that? Keith Morrison from NBC News. He's well, the guy that talks like this. Why do you have that on your phone case? Uh, because he has a very unusual way of speaking, and I quote it to Jonathan and his wife all the time, and they quote it back to us, and so they got it for me for my cover. That's hilarious. And creepy. I'm going to have to ask you to turn your phone upside down so Keith Morrison is not staring at me. Well, the the best thing is Bill Hader doing the impression on oh, SNL. Yeah. I was he's interviewing. He's like, we, we the person's like, we found him all chopped up in the trunk. And he's like, oh, was he dead? <laughs> like eating popcorn and shit. I was, uh, I was randomly uh, going around to everybody's Twitter a couple of days ago just to catch up on everything and uh i went to his and he's got a picture of this thing with the uh, with the, with covering his own head and it's you know he's holding the phone up so it looks like this dude is holding up the, he's putting hands to his head or whatever and it's really fucked up <laughs> i watched the talented mr ripley last night Ooh, it's For the first time in fucking years mm-hmm. saw it when it came out in the theater 99? Yep. So I when it came out in the theater, probably caught it once since then. It came out then. Uh, Christmas of 99. God damn. That movie. that movie is as perfect, perfectly plotted as something like The Prestige. Oh, yeah. Like everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and has a normal recourse to it. Mm-hmm. And he's just so fucking good. He's got that. He's just got a different affect to him. Like he's, he's playing a character. How Jude Law so loves matt damon's impression of his dad that he's like begging gwyneth paltrow you gotta hear this she's never even met the fucking guy you gotta hear how much he sounds like my dad you've never heard and and isn't that where he uh admits that he came in because his dad like he does the impression and he goes oh yeah i think that you should go and meet (laughs) did you ever consider yeah (laughs) oh jesus Oh yeah, every every part about that movie is give you a thousand dollars. Maybe Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> best movie. Who's Gwyneth Paltrow? Maybe her best performance. Maybe, and she's like fourth or fifth down the list of things to watch in that movie. Yeah, man, D- Damon is such a bullshitter in that movie. It's so fucking awesome. Oh, it's to watch. great. Like, uh. The- the the part when she finds out and everything, which is probably her best moment in the movie, but. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm cold. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a towel. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, he's trying to make all these excuses for why he's acting weird. Yeah. Because, uh, the person fingers him. <laughs> yeah. The, 
the landlord says, yeah, Dickie's up there. And so she goes and no, there he when, is. That's when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes up. Or no, wait, I guess she does the same thing yeah, 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 with, yeah, when yeah. a yeah. girl comes back. And then he's caught red-handed, but mm-hmm. somehow gets out of that Yeah, shit yeah. By doing <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I'm in a towel. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm cold, Margie. That was one of those weird, I mean, like, odd experiences watching it uh, at the theater because it came out christmas day and it was the uh the uh, christmas eve is when i watched it and the theater closes early on christmas eve mm. so like the seven o'clock shows are the last shows and then it was around nine o'clock i popped it in it feels so much later because that's what it usually <laughs> is at that time but that movie's long. It, it doesn't feel long, but it's long, mm-hmm. and it's got a an atmosphere to it. And I was just like, just taken with it. Just like, oh my god, this is such a like an experience. Yeah, it almost feels like you're on drugs sometimes late night, late night when you're watching yeah. these type of movies like that. I, these movies are are dissimilar. But Lady in the Water was the same mm-hmm. sort of experience I had. Where yeah, it was just kind of ah nice <laughs> just relaxing just that, watching uh, a movie it's not because they end up going to italy but at some point they they stop at uh the french riviera where i was at mm. and so i could see like you know where they were in context that's, that's always awesome. awesome in fact the tenant trailer that we saw before skywalker uh it wasn't just the tenant trailer it was also like 10 minutes of footage yeah, or it was something the like, first, that. like an imax deal huh god damn yeah, yeah. Oh, it was fucking amazing but then they cut to where he's in the boat, like going around there. That's in the part of France that I was at. Oh yeah. So yeah, I like seeing that stuff. That's uh, fun. Yeah, and but and just like all the other times I've seen these no one things before a movie, I saw Dark Knight Rises before Mission Impossible. I think I was with you on that mm-hmm. one. Um, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't hear. It was so loud and yeah. so you know, so I could, so I didn't know. There's a whole bunch of. Have you seen that scene anywhere? Have you watched that tenant first scene that's mm-hmm. on that IMAX mm-hmm. thing? Um, there's a whole thing where like he's going in with this crew of people, but apparently some of the people aren't on his team. Yeah, and so like there's a guessing game, I guess, of who's all doing what and what their motives are, and, and it's every- all in an orchestral concert and everything too. So oh man, yeah. Oh. And so it's like a lot of stuff going on there where like, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but somebody on his team's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Are you even on my team? <laughs> no. Yeah. That trailer got me rock hard. Yeah. I, I was like, I was poking out of my pants. Well, the trailer, I didn't suck it. I didn't see the scene, but the trailer itself did, did that for me. And I, I still have no fucking clue what it is. I'm done. I don't, I almost don't want to see the trailer you're talking right. about because that teaser was enough like you showed me there's going to be amazing visuals yep. there's going to be a really high concept going on i don't want to know anymore just uh put it in me i think nolan has really captured sound more than anything because that well here in an imax too mm-hmm. like you could hear everything that was going on it was very percussive and stuff like that same thing with dunkirk mm-hmm. where like it's well, children of men did this too where like you hear the gunshots but you hear the bullets whizzing by yeah and their impact is like really severe and yeah. all that god i love that shit yep good shit. that was your first imax that was my first imax ever oh. I, and in town that is the only imax real imax that's the only true imax it, it, there's a fake one down in uh in franklin right yeah there's anything else that says it's imax isn't in around here so that's an imax camera that only shoots or only projects imax stuff right 
Um, yes. The now, I do believe what we saw was digital. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that uh, for Rise of Skywalker. So I don't think it was their true uh, like IMAX film. I don't know how much of a difference it is. They've probably done some tweaks since um, since uh, the day since the days that I don't know. I, they've probably done some tweaks for uh, over the past few years, but um, I mean, you can see that it it fills most of the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the, assumed that the they had- true IMAX fills the entire screen. I got and you. And so that's that, film. Yeah, and that's the film usually. Now, I don't think they have a digital projector that does that yet. May, they probably do in other places, but maybe not at Opry Mills. But like um, that that one, I could see black on the on the top at least. Of yeah, the screen. yeah. But it was still pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it still filled most of the screen up. So yeah. they've got it set pretty good in there. But yeah. So when Tenet comes out, it's going to be just giant film should be a giant film i like i can't imagine nolan releasing that as a digital imax no he's so huge on the actual film and uses shooting the that's why the rise of the skywalker but <laughs> it didn't probably shoot with an imax camera I, yeah on IMAX film, it, but yeah. nolan does mm-hmm. yeah yeah that'll be one to watch on imax i'll tell you what IMAX, <clears throat> IMAX is fucking dope. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I, yeah, yeah. You can, you can imagine it's just bigger and and better and stuff like that. But man, the sound was so gorgeous and the visuals were so gorgeous. We saw a Ghost Protocol in IMAX, mm-hmm. and he hadn't shot the whole film that way. But that whole, that whole like Dubai. Oh shit! shit was all IMAX. Yeah, oh, you get to God. see that that whole Burj Khalifa thing oh, in IMAX, God. man. Man, I was high on pot cookies that night. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I ate like four pot cookies oh, God. and came down clearly. For that oh, <laughs> clearly had no idea. Nope, it's not like I'm sticking up Granny at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. God damn. All right. Now that all that's probably getting yeah. cut, let's move on to. 